1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code Wondery at Byte.com. That's BYTE.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: From the halls of assembly you hear a screaming shout. I love a video is mannequin devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Well, Ward. Yes, Eric. Another
1: season in the books. It's over. It is. And there were downs and there were ups and there were other downs and there was drama and there was intrigue and great storylines and some player development and some not player development. And it ended with an NCAA tournament appearance for the first time in six years.
0: And a win and a win in that tournament. So look, hey, we've won an NCAA tournament game much more recently than Kentucky. Kentucky, it's been like over a 1,000 days. It's been like three years since they won a tournament game. So just that alone, it's a new day. It's the dawn of a new day. Did they lose in the first round the year before COVID too? Yes.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. That is sensational. I didn't realize that. Before we get on to the recap of our little excursion to the end of this season, let's remind people that these days we
0: are powered by... CommunityCars.com <acha> Bel- Sponsor woda. of the pod, Lujer Hysterix Lujer Legends talk with Ward and CommunityCars.com
1: Two things we love. Straight No Chaser. Three things we love. Straight No
0: Chaser, Acapella Music, and CommunityCars.com <st augment shaved Nä-PEAK> To me, Acapella Music is is straight no chaser. Straight no chaser is acapella music. There is, no, there is no one without the other. In the same way that
1: communitycars.com is buying a car or leasing a car or selling a car. They are synonymous with each other. And it doesn't matter how you want to do it. You want to go in, talk to somebody face to face, get them to greet you nicely, treat you like you're the best, most important person in the world. They'll do that.
0: No, I don't. I like to be completely anonymous, and I don't want anybody to see me or hear my voice. Then do it online. Communitycars.com. They'll hook you up online. You don't want to even go in to get your car. They'll deliver the car to your house. But here's the problem. I live thousands of miles away. It's impossible, right? No, it's not, Ward. What? They'll deliver it to anywhere in the Continental
1: 48. They may even deliver it to Alaska and Hawaii. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think they're doing a big business in Alaska and Hawaii, but they delivered my car to me. It was the greatest experience ever. It showed up at my house in Los Angeles.
0: Look, community cars isn't just alliteration. They truly are the cars of the community, and they have been supporting Indiana University Athletics for longer than we've been alive. Let's be honest. They are a pillar of the Hoosier community. And so when you're going there, you're not only getting the best deal and the best cars from the best people, but you know you are doing business with a business that supports what you love the most the Hoosier hysterics. Wait, no, I mean, Indiana university, right?
1: right. Indiana (laughs) university, Indiana, specifically Indiana university athletics. Uh, speaking of supporting Indiana university athletics and specifically Indiana university basketball community cars has been a big supporter of our NIL efforts and the Hoosier hysterics collective. Many of you out there have been supporters of the Hoosier hysterics collective Mm -hmm. through just random donation or contributions. I should say, we love that. Uh, And many of you signed up, like about 200 of you signed up for our Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective Bracket Challenge where $20 got you an entry into our bracket. You filled it out. The winner will get 50% of the pool. The other 50% will go to the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective to just focus on Indiana University basketball. We're doing another one just for the Sweet 16. $30 an entry. So if if your bracket is blown up and you're pissed off about it, Give another 30 bucks or more, 60 bucks, 90 bucks, and have a chance to win this. All the proceeds that don't go to the winner, 50% will go to the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective to focus on IU basketball. And I want to make this point very clear. Go ahead. There are some people who have started other collectives at Indiana. God bless them. Godspeed to them. Hope they succeed. Our goals are different than their goals they're a very pro social helping charities helping the community spreading the money around all the athletes of indiana university if you want to support that god bless support it our effort is to make indiana basketball great that's what we want to do that's Full our stop. primary focus
0: now yeah and and what we believe that does is that helps everything to do with not only Indiana University Athletics, but Indiana University academics. Like, this program has been and will continue to be the star of Indiana University. It is the ambassador around the world to Indiana University is this basketball program. We need it to be a top 10 program on the court on the regular to really maximize the value for all the other sports, all the the academic programs, enrollment. How many, like I know several personal friends who enrolled in Indiana University because of Coach Bobby Knight and his basketball team. And when you look at what Nick Saban has done with the University of Alabama's academics because of how successful they've been in football this is the kind of gem and jewel we have with indiana men's basketball it is one of the premier athletic programs in the history of college right yes. Yes and we need it to be as good on the court as as it is in pure numbers the value of it from from the fans to really the revenue that comes in every year this is still one of the best strongest programs in the country everywhere except on the court but that's all changing now
1: that's right and nil is going to be a big reason why so go to our twitter feed at hoosier hysterics for the hysterics no e no i
0: but, but the, the sometimes?
1: sometimes why why? Look at our thread. You'll see the link for the Sweet Sixteen challenge. Again, thirty buck entry, which means fifteen dollars goes to NIL, fifteen will go to the eventual winner. Uh, wait, how doing, much
0: do we how much do you and I get? Zero. None? Bupkis. Not even a, a, a penny. Nada. Okay. There you go. That's how we that's
1: how we roll. All the time, forever. Yeah, it's a great business strategy, (laughs) Uh, which is why we're still shooting out of Ward's Garage and my kitchen instead of a proper studio like we
0: belong in. We don't belong in a proper studio. No, then the imposter syndrome would really kick in. Yes.
1: So go to our Twitter, check out the link, do it. Uh, And and I also want to say, we will also make deals, NIL deals with other athletes at Indiana when a couple things happen. When there's an opportunity to grab some money for something specific for IU, we will be aggressive in doing that. We've, we've helped the IU women's basketball program. We've made some football deals. When people specifically give us money and want it to go towards a specific athlete or sport, we will try to accommodate that. Mostly we wanna pull the money together and our primary focus is gonna be IU basketball, at least initially. All right, Ward, it's Tuesday. The last week has been insane. Let's just walk through what our last week was, starting with last Monday.
0: Wait, I just I just want to prelude it with this. It it was actually probably much worse than we're going to be able to get into here. This is going to be one of the few occasions where we can't really get into details of just how brutal part of these adventures were because we just can't. They're just they're just not for public ears. But this was Ooh, this it started well for you.
1: Yeah. It, it was um, all fine until your ass
0: showed up. Yeah, look, I'm not going to try to uh conflate these things. My appearance with things really going south on and off the court, but it's quite a coincidence.
1: By the way, by the way, no it's not. Because some of it is a coincidence and
0: some of it you are directly responsible for. I suppose. But we're not going to get into any specifics here. Just know that things actually went even worse than we're about to tell you.
1: So Monday, I had to work all day in Los Angeles and then hop on a red eye to head to the best place in the world, Bloomington, Indiana. Got to Bloomington around 7.15 a.m., slept for a couple hours, woke up and was fortunate enough to shoot an NIL thing with the women's basketball program, which ultimately will benefit the men's basketball program as well, but got to hang out with Mackenzie Holmes, Grace Berger, and Chloe Moore McNeil days before their tournament started, which was very exciting to just talk to them and get a feel for how excited they were. They were talking about how some of the Kentucky players were talking smack, and mm. guess what? how that go? how that go? Did not go well. <laughs> did not go well. So I love that. But that was awesome. Couldn't wait for that to be done, though, because got in my car provided by communitycars.com, where I lit up a cigar, which you cannot do. Don't do it. Not recommended. And drove my ass to Dayton, Ohio. But it didn't start off great. I got in the car. I was so excited. I lit up a cigar and I pulled on to college or walnut. I always get confused which one runs north and which one runs south.
0: Do you know? walnut runs north college runs okay
1: so i get on walnut heading out of town
0: and i have to go to the bathroom i'm like
1: i'm two minutes into the ride so i pull over i got my cigar rolling some of you may have already heard this story because we told it on twitter spaces but had to go to the bathroom very badly and had my cigar in my mouth at the gas station didn't want to put it down at the gas station so i didn't go in and ask for a bathroom i just walked behind the gas station and peed on the side in broad daylight where anybody could have seen.
0: Better than doing it on Briscoe,
1: I guess so. And then as I'm going to the bathroom, a gale wind, or I don't know what you want to call it, just blew through Bloomington and this parking lot. And I just peed all over myself. That's what happened. The pee was like like Showalter Fountain. It was ridiculous.
0: Pissing against the wind. You literally.
1: Pissing into the wind. Yes, exactly. Very good. And so that's how I started my drive. Got on the road. Started talking to Ward. We did a Twitter Spaces where the technology was not good enough to keep
0: up. And. Yeah, so then while I was just trying to succinctly wrap it up, you just hit end. Just just cut it off mid wrap up. Just boop. If I can't be here, nobody can. See ya.
1: <laughs> I couldn't hear anything at that point. I didn't know what was going on. All I had heard was, that and goodbye. That's what I heard. So I thought it meant you had said goodbye. So I ended it. There was a lot of traffic. And then about an hour and 45 minutes outside of Dayton, I got back on Spaces. And God damn it, Hoosier Nation got me through that entire ride to Dayton.
0: The entire oh, ride. Yeah, I think I was at the, I went to yoga or something at that point. I did again have to pull over
1: to go to the bathroom. I don't know what was going on. Usually you broke, I can keep it in. You broke the seal. I broke the seal. I get off New Lisbon, Ohio, I think it was. That was okay. the exit. There's a giant truck on the shoulder of the road. I pulled in front of it. And just peed on the side of the road. And as I was peeing on the side of the road, the truck starts to drive, comes by, and blows his horn. (laughs) Just to let me know that he knows what I'm doing. Um, Get back on the road, head to Dayton. I was told there's only one place to go to dinner in Dayton. You got to go to the Pine Club. I'll say this about Dayton's campus and
0: the city of Dayton. They both suck. They both suck. Look, we talked about this though. You're coming in in a gray time of the year. Like you, you did consider that perhaps it wouldn't be so bad. Like in the spring. No, no you've gone. You're going back. Buildings go- suck. It's brown and it looks like diarrhea. Okay, so it's got that Purdue, Illinois look. Yeah, it's not pretty. It's okay. not pretty. Okay, but the Pine
1: Club was an awesome restaurant. It was built in like 1412. Mm, uh, mm. No credit cards, all cash.
0: Are you serious? Yes, all cash.
1: Oh, that is shady. No, no, it's not shady. To be a restaurant in 2022 that only takes cash, you've got to be a really good restaurant. Sure, but that doesn't mean it's not shady. You're right. It could be a front for the Dayton mob. (laughs) Okay, so it was incredible, though. The waitress had been there for 82 years. It was awesome. Met some Indiana fans at the bar there while I waited for my table. Just if you get to Dayton, go to the Pine Club. It is awesome. Not a window in that place. I mean, and definitely people have
0: been murdered in there. Definitely. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, this no, is this right is it. all the affront.
1: Drive my car to the parking lot, park, light up a cigar, start walking towards the arena, and the first thing you notice is this arena is going to be filled with Indiana fans.
0: No I surprise mean, just, there. It
1: was awesome, Ward. It was like one of those great feelings where everybody's so happy to be in the same place, to be happy to be rooting for Indiana in an NCAA tournament game. Ran into the Leels, you know, so many families were there and got to meet Gabe Cups and his sister Allie Cups in person. And Gabe Cups is a stud who has giant hands. That's did what I you, noticed.
0: Did you just see the throwdown, the new Ohio Mr. Basketball? It was it was on Twitter yesterday. Unbelievable. Yeah, he just posterized some poor lad. Um, I'm assuming that was in the state tournament or wherever that was. He was in now. the final four. Um, but that was, that was the human ant in full effect.
1: Human ant crushed it. They did lose the championship game, though, which is very sad. They had a 45-game win streak. They were undefeated this season. But guess what? He's got one more year there. So it's state championship or bust for Centerville next year. I would um, not want to get in his way. But they were so excited to be there, rooting on Indiana, ran into a bunch of other Indiana fans. Ran into the president of Indiana University, which you and I both ran into, and we'll get to that when you get there. I had a brief conversation with her, was going to ask her to be on the podcast, but felt like I needed reinforcement. Just didn't feel like I could (laughs) properly make the ask.
0: If only there was somebody else here with me and we were both dressed like jackasses, I will feel comfortable enough to ask.
1: Look, when you abandon all shame, everything's easier.
0: Everything's possible.
1: Everything is possible. Yes. (laughs) So got great seats. Was sitting amongst Indiana fans, uh, Indiana families. And and players. And and yes, that was the craziest part. (laughs) To my left were the Galloways. To my right were Sean Burke and Sebastian Scott and Adam Howard, who would normally be on the bench, but they couldn't be on the bench. There was no room. There were shorter benches in Dayton and in uh, Portland, and they were sitting directly next to me. So the first half was very difficult because Trey didn't have his best game, and I had to really reserve any kind of comment because his parents were next to me. But then the players are right to my right. And so when things went well, I am just jumping on them. I am literally (laughs) hugging Sean Burke and Sebastian, just hugging them throughout the game, hugging, full neck hugs. I hope you were careful. I was not. I was not <laughs> careful. I was totally unhinged. And like a couple minutes before halftime, they get up because they're going to go to the locker room. And I'm like,
0: should I just go with them? Yeah. Yeah, totally. What would happen if I just went with them?
1: Uh, decided not to. Stayed for the game. Look, all that, that's been well, said. That right.
0: is a lot of restraint by you. Let me just say. that. Thank you. That, that is not Thank something you. you'd normally do. And it shows a lot of growth for you this season personally
1: think, you. you know what, if I was wearing the Indiana suit and you were there, I would have done it. No yeah, shame. and I Everything probably it's possible.
0: Yeah, I just would have been like, okay, Eric, like I normally do. Just, <laughs> just went along for the ride. Just hang your head. How's
1: this <laughs> yeah. going to work out? I'm kind of with could, him, I
0: guess. This
1: might be funny or also could get me canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so uh the game was as ugly of a basketball game as I remember seeing. But Jordan Geronimo was the star of it. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome to be there for winning the first tournament game in six years. It was a relief. It was happiness.
0: And then I sprinted to my car to call you. Yeah, but look, Jordan was the the breakout star of the game. But Trace, of course, Fair enough. was doing Trace stuff that he's he's shown... In games and half of games, and maybe not that important games, but when you talk about what he did over those three games in the Big Ten tournament and what he did in y, uh, against Wyoming, it, he redefined his legacy at IU. That he did affect winning. He was he scored over a hundred points in four games and was really quite dominant um, in half after half after half after sometimes just disappearing for entire halves. And there was, we would not have been in that Wyoming game without Trace, and we would not have won that Wyoming game without Trace. And for a guy who hasn't even sniffed the NCAA tournament in his time there, thanks COVID, um, this was it. This He needed to put together some performances like this to have that 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 legacy which you know hey there's a chance maybe it continues for one more year but that's that's far from a for sure thing so he needed these four games to cement his legacy
1: then the game ends celebration indiana fans hugging and high-fiving i get to my car we do a twitter spaces from the road i head back to indianapolis and i have to share a couple stories about my return trip to indianapolis i needed a hotel for like three hours because I was getting on a flight at 7 a.m. I got into Indianapolis at around 2 30, went to the comfort suites first, went to the comfort suites, walked in and asked if she had uh, any rooms. And she said, uh, yeah, I got, I can now I'm confusing which one came first. I think this one came first. She said, yeah, I got two. My God, like, oh, great. Can I have one of those? No, no, no. Those are for my two people. Like what? She's like, no, no. Those are for my two reservations. Like it's two thirty in the morning. Who's who's checking in? She's like, yeah, I got to hold it for them. And I, then I said, as I'm leaving, why did you tell me you had two rooms? Yeah, right. That's just a lie. It's just a flat out lie. Uh, went to then the La Quinta, where there was a woman standing at a candy aisle, like a candy shelf, and I'm like. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first woman, by the way, was reading a romance novel. <laughs> and when I asked her if she was working, she said, yeah, I'll be with you in a minute. And she finished her page. So the candy aisle woman's like, I said, do you have any rooms? And she's like, yeah, 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 no problem. I'll be there in a second. She comes back. She's like, uh, yeah. oh, she starts typing, typing, typing. Oh, I'm sorry. We've got like 17 rooms. They're all dirty. <laughs> I'll
0: give you 20 percent off. To sleep in a dirty room. Yeah. Okay.
1: Would you have done that? No. No, you can't go to a dirty room at do
0: no. at 2.30 no. in the morning. Absolutely not.
1: So then I go to a third hotel that it was going to be renamed nameless. And I walked up to the woman and who was very disinterested. And I said, can I get a room? And she said, how many hours do you need
0: it? <laughs> and I said, and you were like and you were like me five minutes <laughs>
1: uh, I said uh I needed three hours and she's like all right I gotta charge you the full night then I go what was the answer what did the answer need to be so that I wouldn't get charged the first night she goes sometimes we do it by the hour uh Boy, (laughs) I am in the high-class part of Indianapolis. But you got
0: confirmation the room was clean.
1: No, I didn't get confirmation Mm. that the room was clean. I just chanced it. It looked decently clean. Went upstairs, watched as much as I could before falling asleep on highlights from Wyoming and press conferences, jetted to the airport. First person I see, I get to the airport just as it's boarding. Like, I get right onto the plane. Pass Rabbi, who's just sitting there, headphones on typey typey get on the plane to portland although not to portland it was to minneapolis first mm-hmm. then change planes in minneapolis to portland and all the while rabbi is like putting out his story about the bus the plane was screwed up and all that i mean he is working working hard uh i'm just trying to sleep i'm so excited but i am also a little uh sad at this point because you have told me that you are not coming to portland
0: for this game well the complicating factor is my daughter's birthday is on Friday, squarely between the Thursday game and what we hoped would be the Saturday game. So now I'm kind of like, mm, what do I do here? Do I I roll the dice and hope we make it to Saturday and then I can do like a whole weekend thing up there? Or do I just figure out Thursday? And, you know, uh, I was excited that when, when that was the course I decided to take, Um, I was very excited because I knew I had disappointed you when I said I'm coming Saturday if we make it, not Thursday, and you were like, but you were cool about it. Then I was like, oh, I'm going to surprise Eric with what I thought was good news. Turns out it was a disaster, and I never should have booked the ticket, but at the time it seemed like good news. It was great news at the time, which came
1: right about the time that I was walking around Portland heading to an open practice which was awesome because there were like 14 people there. So you could just go and like take video. And I watched us make like 15 threes in a row.
0: You, you got know, very I, mad at me. You got I took issue me. with that. I you took did. issue with
1: that. You took issue with me putting out a tweet showing video of us making a lot of threes in a row saying, look, we have the ability to make threes.
0: I mean, but, yeah, but like you're giving us no new information there. I assume that every Division One basketball team can make 15 out of 23 pointers in practice. Ward, we saw Archie's teams practice. They didn't make 15 out of 23s. Well, it's only the more frustrating to know that's what goes on behind closed doors compared to what we saw on the court this year. It's true. Why? Why? Why tease all of us that way? That's. I my
1: apologize. Feeling. I I take ownership of it and I apologize. Apology accepted. Thank you. Moving on, had dinner that night. Got to see Michael Lewis, who was in town for the UCLA. Got to see Kenya and Jan, Brian Walsh. They were all out to dinner. It was it was just great. But I was most excited for the fact that I get to go to sleep, and the next morning, I'll have to kill some time. But then Ward Roberts was showing up in Portland with our Indiana suits.
0: I, I, there was a lot of cussing the night before trying to figure out how to use, uh, my wife's, what do you call that? A garment bag? The, yeah, she had a, like a weird garment bag from from one of these services that sends her clothes like once a month. So there was some cussing, uh, there was some aggravation, and I was like, "Look, I get why Woody doesn't want to wear suits on the road. Now I get it. I understand."
1: Although those Indiana suits, which I believe are a hundred percent polyester, <laughs> and don't... not and not the good kind of polyester. No, no, no. The kind that if
0: there's an open flame near it, look you're out, toast. you're gone. Uh, they don't wrinkle. They don't wrinkle. And also, if you decide not to remove the tags when you buy them.
1: You moron.
0: I mean, (laughs) Ward still has the tags on this.
1: He doesn't even realize they're tags. He's had this suit for three years, and he has not removed the tags from the sleeve. And when I told him that it's a stitched tag, when I told him you have to, like, cut off the string, he starts to yank it off. (laughs) Like, he's going to pull it off, which would destroy the entire suit. So I stopped that catastrophe.
0: But... But I'm I'm getting on the flight, and uh, a fellow Hoosier in LA, Scott Rapaport, he decides last second when I got a last second ticket. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go too." So we're shooting the shit in the Burbank airport, but we get on the plane at different times, and so and we're both window seat guys. So he takes his a couple back, and I get mine, and then. Um, it was actually, you know, whatever. He got stuck next to a couple St. Mary's people. Sucker. Um, I, I didn't have a conversation with whoever was on my leg from Burbank to San Jose. But then, who sits down next to me for the San Jose to Portland leg? Sean Burke's father, Patrick. On St. Patrick's Day, no less. And, you know, as you and I are apt to do, just start chatting him up. And he chats me up right back. We're Great the worst
1: na- people to sit next to on an airplane.
0: D- depending on who you are, if you happen to be the father of an Indiana University basketball player, it really could be one extreme or the other. Where your absolute worst nightmare, or I think it Patrick Burke's case, He was down. We were both so excited. We're going to see the team. You had just sat next to his son at the Dayton game. And so, you know, he works for a a major golf company. I don't know if I should say it. No, because we want to, you know, make him pay for it, if you want to say the name. Exactly, exactly. But to me, I just took that mistakenly as a very good omen. But either way, just this whole idea of, of Hoosier Nation, Coming out from Northern California, Southern California, from the Midwest, and we're all swarming like locusts to Portland. Here we come. The invasion has officially begun.
1: And while you are en route, I decide to just take my phone and go walk around Portland, get a cigar. I wanted to get a little jog in also, and I decided to load up the live Twitter stream and video tweet while I was walking around Portland. And it was great. People were asking questions, walked by Voodoo Donuts, walked by that famous bookstore.
0: I forget the name of
1: the bookstore now.
0: Uh you know it's, it. it's not City Lights, is it? That's the one in LA. The Lost Bookstore? No. But it's like it's like Power four... Books, Tower
1: Books or something?
0: No. Uh oh, uh, um I got it. It's with the P. Prince Books? No, Power? Power Powell. Books? Powell Books? Powell.
1: Powell sounds right.
0: It's like an entire city block, four stories. Powell's Powell's City of Books. Yeah. Yes.
1: So did that and just kind of I'm walking like two, three miles. I'm out for like an hour, hour and a half. And then I walk by and I look to my right and there's the IU Trident. Like, where, where am I? I'm at the IU Hotel. I literally just walked by it accidentally. The Hoosier gods led me. Every decision I made that morning led me to that hotel. The Hilton Hotel,
0: downtown Portland. In and this I'm- universe. In this universe. What do you mean? Well, In the multiverse, you know, you split off in another direction and you end up at Stumptown Coffee Roasters instead of the IU Hotel.
1: Multiverse just- and me? You're multiverse and me?
0: I'm just saying it's a shame you spent a whole morning walking around Portland and you don't drink coffee.
1: I drink Indiana basketball. That's what sustains me, my friend. Mm. And I walked into the hotel. You
0: stalk Indiana basketball.
1: (laughs) Well, that is what commenced. And I walked upstairs. I saw Indiana logos everywhere. I saw ballrooms and I figured, oh, is this like a team meeting room? I did see like Scott Dolson from afar. And then I poked my eyes. I like pressed my forehead against the door in between the little slit in between the two doors of a ballroom and just framed perfectly in my little field division is Woody drinking a coffee. I'm like, Oh my God. I live streamed it. You can see Woody in there through the thing. It's stalking. No doubt. Trey Galloway busts out of the bathroom right next door, comes over, gives us a hug. I was, uh, I was a pig in shit. It was incredible. Saw Jordan Geronimo, talked to him a little bit, uh, saw just several players, JD Campbell, Scott Dolson, the band had finally got their equipment that had to be shipped separately because they had to ship it separately because the plane couldn't take it.
0: Thanks, NCAA. Good thinking. Well, think about that. Guys, the plane's going to crash unless we get rid of the trumpets. Well, it was probably more of the sousaphones, but look, we all watched What's Yellow What's a Jackets? sousaphone? Oh, it's like a tuba, basically.
1: What's the difference between a sousaphone and a trombone?
0: Maybe slightly different shape of the giant tube. It's, uh, you 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 couldn't tell the difference is a sousaphone a trombone wait a second no 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 a trombone is a trombone are no. you questioning yourself now on what a sousaphone is Yeah, uh, well, I'm questioning what, like, the difference is, because there is a difference.
1: I've never heard anybody use the the term sousaphone before.
0: Well, my dad's in a Dixieland jazz band. He's in a traditional New Orleans jazz band.
1: Does he play the sousaphone?
0: He does not, but he has people who do. Difference between sousaphone and tuba. A tuba is designed... A tuba is designed to be played while sitting, and a sousaphone is designed to be played standing up. Because of this key difference, tubas are sold in a wider range of pitches, including contrabass and the extremely rare subcontrabass. While, of course, sousaphones tend to be constricted to the BB pitch. B flat pitch? That's probably what that meant.
1: Where else are you going to get this kind of information?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't know if you were going to let me get through the whole thing. (laughs)
1: good Christ did we really go deep there okay so I was so excited then the family start piling in the Leals Trace Jackson Davis's family Don Fisher makes an appearance and now I got to get back to the hotel because I'm going to go for a run and Ward's showing up soon so I go for a run for a couple miles get back to the hotel here comes Ward you arrive
0: you're happy as a clam. Well, I'm I'm rolling my my rolling gear to get up from L.A. is the candy stripes and my warm up my Indiana warm up top, and so of course I run smack dab into Mick Cronin in the elevator. Yes, who so, uh, of course th- with with you I'd gotten to share a cigar with a couple months back here in L.A. and he just kind of looked like Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> These guys, and and it was not unlike the first time I, I met Archie and I was wearing the ridiculous Indiana suit um with the tags on, but with Mick, was Mick was just like seeing me now out in the wild, not in a controlled setting, and was like, God damn, you guys are really committed to this. And I'm like, just wait till you see the suits I brought for me and Eric. And he was like, okay. And sure enough, uh, he would be sent one of those pictures in short order.
1: He would be. We both showered up. We got into our suits. And we decided to head out onto the streets of Portland to enjoy some cart food because that's what Portland is known for. Not food truck food, carts, where they have like areas where several carts are around. we really excited to get that. We walk out. It's raining. So raining because it's Portland. What did you expect? So we are Uber 0.3 miles to the Indiana Hotel because we didn't want to get our suits all messed up. And then we ordered a pizza. And we just housed that pizza. What was the name of that pizza? Sizzle pie, I think. Sizzle pie, really good. Really, really good. good pizza. And then the excitement starts to build, right? Mm-hmm. What, yep. Go ahead and walk through what's happening at this moment.
0: So so at first besides the Indiana Trident, it doesn't feel like we're in the Indiana team hotel. We we did run into Coach Woodson's wife. I got to meet her. That was a very pleasant exchange, but it just it felt pretty dead there. Nothing going on. But then all of a sudden as we're 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 just kind of roaming about looking for some trouble to get in, the entire basketball team comes around the corner, um, and there they are. They're they're leaving the, the the meeting room, the ballroom, and now they're gonna go get ready to leave. So we're like, okay. Well, now what further trouble can we get in? We go back down to the lobby and now the the cheerleaders show up. the family shows up, the band starting to show up with all their gear and now it's like, okay, it's Pep rally time. Let's go um and and then basically we we tried to coordinate to the best of our ability like a tunnel for the players to walk through out to the bus and as this is kind of taking shape we did kind of run through it ourselves and the cheerleaders were already lined up O-E-R-R-U. And then, in one of the most thrilling moments I can remember as an Indiana fan, you and I came out there on what was kind of this test run, but the band was out On the sidewalk next to the bus playing the fight song and and we started like it it was it was religious ecstasy we started speaking in tongues and dancing on the sidewalk just so swept up in the emotion and the power of what those instruments brought all the way from bloomington
1: here we go was incredible, and then one by one the players came out. First up, though, was Coach Woodson. Coach, how we feeling? Great. You squared away? Squared good. away. All right, good luck. I'm good luck, You like
0: this look? That's a great look. Good All, good. All right. We got a third one. We're bringing it
2: for you. Let's get a chant going. Woody! 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 Woody!
0: wari 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 wari
1: And Woody walked through in his suit, and then one by one, all the players came after him and were cheering, and the band is playing, and the cheerleaders are cheering. Coming in style! I like it! Let's go, race. Let's go, race. Let's go, buddy! Here we go. Let's go, TJD. Let's go. This is why you're here, buddy. This is why you're here. Timmy G, let's go! Let's go! Let's go!
2: Let's go! Let's go! Let's go!
1: Let's go! Let's go! Let's go. Let's go. Right. It was an incredible experience to send them off like that to this big tournament
0: game. We then however for future. Now we're going to have this better organized next time. And if and if we can't get the entire team to walk out together onto the bus, we might need to go set up the whole rally over at the stadium because there's something that dissipated by one or two players at yeah. a time going out. If we could have gotten that whole team rolling through onto the bus at the same time, I think we really could have blown their doors off with cheering and excitement. As it was, it was kind of dissipated, and the families had also gone on to, like, an Indiana alumni event organized at a, at a bar and grill pregame. So, you know, it was... We're going to work on that for next season's tournament.
1: That's exactly right. So then we decided to light up our cigars, and with Scott, our, our L.A. friend who's in Portland with us, we walked over to the stadium, Ward defiled a statue by motorboating its bare breasts. I I don't know what else you wanted me to do. Oh, I didn't want that. Literally anything. Anything. I was not expecting you to motorboat the breasts. So
0: I thought we were just going to walk away from it. And, and then we just, but it would still, the reveal would be a statue's boobs. Yes. So you would try, try to take some sort of highfalutin line with me like, oh, Ward, you really went lowbrow with that. You did. Uh, but what's the point of just half-assing lowbrow? Like, if you set me up to go lowbrow, why, why would I do anything but fully commit to the lowbrow?
1: You got to cut the video in so right here so people can see it. The great thing about Portland that we're figuring out on our way over to the game is the art. The art. I mean, just on the street, you have sculptures, you have murals. Sculptures like this one we just ran into. It's tasteful. It's It fits the city. It is, um, it's elevating. Mm-hmm. It's sophisticated. It is. Should we go? Yeah. <laughs> I showed that video to Holly, and she said, that's very funny. I'm just really happy it was Ward doing the motorboating.
0: (laughs) And that's why I didn't show it to Annie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we, and I I also love that, and that's also why Annie is not following our Twitter account. (laughs) She doesn't give a shit. So we walk over to the arena. There's a lot of excitement building. We're meeting other Indiana fans. Channel 8 from Indianapolis is there. We got to do a live shot with uh, Charlie Clifford. The weekend sports anchor. And then it's time to go into the stadium, the arena, right? Because it's about 30 minutes before game time.
0: Nope. Well, because we tried to go in even earlier. We were like there like an hour before, and they're like, we got to get everybody out from the last set of games, and then we'll get you guys in. And it was raining, so we led the whole Indiana crowd over to where Charlie and the Channel 8 crew was set up under the old basketball arena where now the hockey team plays, and we're like, well, we'll hang out here um, until they let us in. But no, they had no intention of letting us in a half hour before the game, 20 minutes before the game, or even really 10 minutes before the game. They open those doors with about five minutes to go before scheduled tip-off. But of course, they're gonna delay tip-off, right? Because there's nobody in this arena yet. They've gotta allow the paying customers to take their seats, right? Wrong. Just <laughs> stay there
1: until they let you in and then sprint to get to your seats. In You and I got to our seats Thank God I didn't let you get a water like you wanted to go buy a water because or a Coke because we sprinted to our seats and got to our seats as the ball was being tipped. It did not feel good. It
0: did not feel good. Oh, no, there's we were like maybe two of 2000 people in that arena. And that might be generous. It was empty not because people were using the bathroom or at the concession stand they were still outside waiting to get in
1: i do want to back up a minute because outside we took some pictures with people we did take a picture with a woman that was an indiana fan don't know her name i think she was three sheets to the wind she grabbed my ass
0: full hand and then grabbed your ass full hand she did. She grabbed my my right cheek full hand. Didn't didn't go in. Didn't go in for the cornhole action like she yeah, did for she, you. Pinky went in the crack. <laughs> she grabbed my left buttocks
1: and then Pinky went went was running the, the Grand Canyon. I was yes. I was spared that indignity. So the game started. We did get a quick chance to run into the president of Indiana University, Dr. Pamela Whitten. And we, of course, just immediately... You gotta come on our podcast!
0: (laughs) I believe I said something to the effect of, uh, it's very nice to meet you. I'm so glad you're here today. And then you forearm shivered me out of the way to get her onto the podcast. Because you and her were old friends at that point.
1: Right, we had met briefly the day before, but now I was looking like a full idiot in the suit with you. And she did say, I'll come on, let's set it up with my office. So, Dr. Witten. The ball's in your court. (laughs) I just, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Call my office. They'll set it up. Oh, no, no, no. She's coming on the podcast. We got (laughs) to make her now. Uh, So then, look, we're going to get into the game a little bit more later with our guest. I've never been in a situation where it went from so jubilant and happy and, oh, my God, this could happen to just the absolute opposite of that that quickly. I mean it was 10 minutes into the game we were like winning by 4, 21 by to half- 7,
0: 21 to 17, that was the high water mark. And by halftime
1: it was disgusting. I mean it just felt depressing and disgusting and honestly felt like there was even though we knew we had come back against Michigan down by a similar amount this felt very, very different. They were getting layups in the half court anytime they wanted it. Wide open threes. Trace was not hitting his shots. Parker
0: hit his first three, and then that was it. Yeah, nobody was hitting any shots. It At was. All. And and when you look, the, the, everybody's talked ad nauseum about what happened in the days in the games leading up to, and you know the flight even getting out there. Um, and when all of that is the reality, right? That yes, is yes. that it. That was the previous five, six days that you're like, well, where it takes so much energy and effort and focus to come back from such a deficit when you're playing against a, a very well coached team. Just everything's got to break right and you still might not have enough gas in the tank. So so we all were very aware this was different from halftime at the Michigan game.
1: Very different. And then the second half started, and it was more of the same. They went on a quick 4-0 run. And then there was 18 and a half minutes left, and
0: magic happened. The last great moment of the Indiana basketball season.
1: The basketball gets stuck over the backboard. The midget referee decided that he would be able to get it with a three-foot stick. I mean, the the idiot had no shot of getting it. Players were offering to stand on the chair. He was not going to let the players risk injury in the middle of the NCAA tournament. And then, like a conquering hero, these two mirages appear in the form of two Indiana cheerleaders, one male, one female. And, Ward, what did you see from your
0: vantage point? Well, I saw something that is going to be revealed later on this very episode. So maybe we shouldn't talk too much about it. That's that's what I'm getting at.
1: It was just a magical moment. We'll say that. And the rest of the game was total, total tub of shit. It,
0: it, it felt like that was it. This is how we're going to turn it around. This is the moment. It wasn't. That feeling was completely incorrect. We missed like two bunnies, and it went from bad to worse to fucking historically awful.
1: Yes, the worst loss in the history of the NCAA tournament for Indiana University. The season was over. We were depressed. We watched a little
0: of the UCLA game. But wait, but, but I, do, I do want to take this moment I had where I realized how incredibly lucky I am to be able to get up there. To, to, to fly on a plane, to go to Portland, to wear a suit and look like a total asshole with my my best buddy also looking like a total asshole. And it's such a privilege and and ultimately still a pleasure, even when the score is that lopsided, to sit in a stadium like that and watch the Indiana Hoosiers play. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about the the last week and how much fun we've had, and I'm seeing Jordan Geronimo out there on the court you know, getting in some minutes. I'm seeing Tamar Bates log some serious minutes and you could say, Oh, it's, it was already kind of working towards junk time. But in a game like this, there was like 15 minutes of junk time and just sort of like already being able to in that those few minutes turn one's attention to the future or the potential future and be like, man, what a ride. And, now there is going to be a whole off season where we'll see who comes who goes that whole thing but i know even in the in being down by over 30 i still was able to feel good about this season and and really the ride we've been on
1: and hopefully the future and seeing a little bit of the future and look i think we're going to break down the season and and talk about the future over the next many months in uh, different formats, some here on the podcast, but also some on Reasonable Rabbi, which is going to return to peags.com for subscription members in the coming weeks. So I don't think we need to do that. But yeah, look, it's going to be a tumultuous offseason. A lot of decisions are getting made. Those conversations start this week with people, the end of year meetings. So we'll just see how all that goes. Let's just say you've said this, but the last... I don't know how many days it is now. Ten days of Indiana basketball was the most exciting we've had in six years. And what a ride. It was fun to go on it with you. And now let's get to the people that the fans really want to hear from. Yeah,
0: sure. It's it ain't us. (laughs) Never is. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are welcoming back somebody to the show. Last time we talked to him, he hadn't played a game for Indiana University. Now he's played in some tournament games for Indiana University. Eric, who's with us here today?
1: You know, there is nothing better in college basketball, as we know, than to watch someone develop in front of your eyes. And we are talking to somebody who is the personification of development that we've seen over the last couple of years. I would argue we are talking to another just Incredible name that we can add to the list of players that become fan favorites for Indiana University. In just two years, he has clearly cemented himself in there. His minutes went up 50% this year. He shot 51.8% from the field. He averaged one rebound every four minutes played. He basically, every time he came in, impacted the game in a positive way, whether it was an incredible dunk most likely a putback dunk, whether it was an awesome three, whether it was hustling on defense, and, of course, amazing offensive rebounds, especially on free throws. And we'll get into also maybe the most memorable bucket of the year that was basically <laughs> a horse shot off the ground bounced into the bucket. We are talking to the one and only man with the best smile on the team, Jordan Geronimo.
2: What's up, y'all? What's, What's up? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm just, you know, just chilling in my room. I don't have class today, so I'm just sitting and resting. So are you on spring break right now? Uh, spring break ended like it was last week, so it's, it's the first day of classes, but I have no class today. So
1: Nice. Very nice. So let's just start with how are you feeling post this? These last couple of weeks have been insane. Let's start here before we then go back to the whole season. But how are you feeling now? Are you still Pissed?
2: Are you dealing with it? Like, what? What's the feeling? Um, it, it it's it's a kind of like indifferent feeling. Like, of course, I'm kind of salty that you know our season ended kind of early, and I do want to keep playing. You know, I see the teams competing and watch madness, and I feel like we can compete with them as well. But uh, also like I'm not mad at the same time because I I, I know my team like took some big you know, big steps this year in terms of you know going in the right direction. So I'm proud of my team with that, but it still feels kind of weird because it feels like I have practice later on this afternoon, but I don't. And it feels like something else is like happening with the season, but like, you know, it's over. So it's just me getting used to like all the extra time I have. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good feeling when you have,
0: uh, you just said, uh, the team has made some big steps this year. And of course we can point to you won some big 10 tournament games. You made it into the NCAA tournament and won a game. But what did you see with what you guys were doing on or off the floor that you point to and be like, "See, we're better now than we were when we started?"
2: Um I would say um the like increased like uh, amount of like team chemistry like like throughout the year. I feel like in the beginning like, you know, we didn't like at the, like there's like a lot of new people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then after we went to the Bahamas, everybody stood together for like a while and like, you know, in a great place like that. We kind of like you know build like relationships with each other, and as the season went on, we just got to you know spend more time with each other, and we like hang out more off the court. And I feel like, um, like the bonds you have with your teammates, like off the court and on the court, is gonna like uh, show when you play the, the game of basketball because you know you know each other's tendencies and know how how they you know you know move or react and stuff and how how they, how they handle situations. I feel like that's also like something that. I've been seeing throughout the season where I'm like, see, like this is like this is like winning teams. Like this is what winning teams do. Like they hang out with each other off the court. Everybody's like good with each other, like there's no like bad vibes. Everybody's just happy and it's a positive vibe all the time. So
0: And was that something that just organically happened with time? Yeah, or or were there like leaders of the team or even the coaching staff that shepherded that chemistry? Or is that just something that that naturally occurred?
2: It was something that naturally occurred, and that's also something that I feel like added more to like how special it was, like, you know, like we all just liked each other like, you know, it wasn't like anybody saying, OK, guys, let's sit down with each other and have a team chat to talk about how we're feeling or whatever. But like, everybody just naturally like grew toward each other. So
1: not to try to compare things because I know it's not really fair, mm-hmm. um, but to compare things, is there a difference between how you feel right now than how you felt at the end of year one for you at Indiana? Did that same chemistry develop last year? Or was it difficult because of all the external pressures? I mean, look, there's no surprise. Archie was under a lot of pressure that year. And that pressure, I assume, trickles down to you guys as well. Did that prevent this kind of chemistry building, do you think?
2: I don't think so. Like, I feel like I had the same kind of feeling last year. But, um, and, 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 like, that's why I like Indiana so much. And that was, that's what kind of joined me to stay uh, when I was in the portal because mm-hmm. – uh, Like this is like the program is always like a team program. Like, you know, I put family first and the players always like, you know, uh, seem to like each other. And that's and I I mean, I had the same feeling like at the end of last year in terms of like, you know, the team chemistry and stuff like that. But that's that's how I say. Yeah.
1: Great. So I got to know, you know, we're going to we're going to hit the the specific games, but just to take the moments after that St. Mary's game, walk Mm -hmm. us through what happened after that game. Did you guys stay in town? that night and and have to stay in Portland for that. What was the locker room like? What was that overnight like before then heading on getting on a plane and getting back to Bloomington?
2: Well, after the loss, you know the locker room was quiet. you know what I mean people were you know was was emotional because you know it was the end of the season. but it didn't last too long because Coach Wilson came in and was able to like you know rally us up, keep our, he told us keep our heads up. you know we did great things this season. And uh, like each of the coaches, like when it was it went in the line, like described, like saying thank you for you know the season, thank you for allowing me to coach you, something like that, which I thought was really nice. But um, uh, it wasn't like completely sad though. Like it, like like there was still hope. You know what I mean? Like 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 it was like yeah, it ended, but we all knew like this is like you know the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, like we all knew like we'll be back. You know what I mean? So that's what I, I think that's the kind of vibes I got at the end of the season. All like, right, Jordan, like we were yeah. going
1: to wait to the end, but we can't because you're saying this. You we can right to it. Are <laughs> you? I mean, look, last year you put your name in the transfer portal, obviously, when the coaching staff changed. Uh, uh-huh. The transfer portal is different now than it's ever been. It's very easy to go from school to school. Have you yeah. decided what you're doing for your junior year in college?
2: I have not decided yet.
1: Are said- you, are you leaning a certain direction? Leaning.
2: I mean, I got, I, I can't really tell you if I wanted to tell you, cause I don't really know myself. You know what I mean, cause I don't okay. have all the, facts, all the facts yet. Like, you know, it depends on like a lot of different variables that, you know, my, the people I'm talking to like my family and them. And, you know, Can you every- tell us a little bit about that?
1: Like the variables, what are the variables that you think about when trying to make this very big decision?
2: So it's just, like, the few people that I keep in my circle. Um, and that's including my parents and, uh, and uh, like, one of my trainers back home that uh, I've been working with, all, like, all my life. Um, yeah, it's just like, so it's, it's mainly them and some other people. And also, I would say, like, and just, like, research, you know you know what I mean? Like, like you have to know, like, if you want to go somewhere, like, where you want to go. So Right. Like, and just gut feeling is, like, the main part, I would say.
0: And have you had your end-of-the-year, end-of-the-season conversation with Coach Woodson yet? No, not yet. So I, that, that I'm sure, will end up factoring into this as well? For sure, yeah. Does Can the fact... Go, oh, go ahead, Ward. I, I just didn't want to be presumptuous, but I will be Uh, I'm going to speak on behalf of all of Hoosier Nation. There is nobody in this fan base, and there's a lot of us, who doesn't want to see you back. Like, throughout this season, the growth we have been seeing, you know, yes, it's out there on social media, but it's in conversations and private text threads. Everybody has been so delighted to watch you grow. And on behalf of all of us, just know you're wanted back. Terribly, like we want to see where you go next, because I think as those minutes go up and the experience goes up, all the other numbers are going to go with it, including wins for this team, and we all want to be here for it. So that that is, I'll just state that case on behalf of like one million Hoosiers. (laughs) Appreciate
1: it, thank you. Um, before we we kind of take a step back to the the season, just to put a pin in this. Clearly, the end of the season, you became a much bigger part of what was going on on the court than Mm -hmm. at certain points in the season. And I want to talk about kind of if that was frustrating for you throughout the year. But look, we don't win our first tournament game in six years if you don't have the game that you had against Wyoming. Uh, From an energy standpoint, from the production standpoint, you just you just lifted the whole team. Mm -hmm. Did the end of this year um, impact? or will it impact how you evaluate going forward at Indiana?
2: Um, I feel like it could. I mean, I, I haven't really thought about it like that uh, as much, but just from thinking about it right now, I feel like it could. Um, Cause like, you know, like I've been here for two years. I kind of like know what's going on, going on, you know, in the big 10, like, you know, just in general, like with the, in this, in this league, and I'm, I'm comfortable with the system, the coaches and everything like that. You know what I mean? And, like, my confidence level is growing at the, towards the end, as I was, was able to see. It's just chill through my game. But um, it, it is something that I would take with me. And if I if would take with me, it would be a positive for me to stay. To Do
1: you feel pressure, Jordan? Is this a stressful situation? Is it a stressful thing? Or are you able to kind of deal with it in stride?
2: I can deal with it in stride. I mean, like, I know at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm going to make the best choice because, you know, I feel like God has, has a story written for me. Uh, you know what I mean? So I know, like, if I decide to do something and I, and I feel comfortable with it, I feel like it's going to work out at the end of the day. So
1: that makes sense. All right. So I got to ask you, the NCAA tournament goes on. Are you like Ward and I, where it's very hard to watch the tournament? And when we do, we root hard against the teams that we hate, mainly all the Big Ten teams. How do you consume the NCAA tournament right now?
2: Um, It's really entertaining. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of biased sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I don't like, I will boo them for sure. But, (laughs) But overall, like, of course, I take it with a grain of salt. You know, whatever. Like, could have been in there, but it's still like something that I enjoy to watch. When well, Wisconsin I, I lost,
1: do... I just want to know what specifically on when Wisconsin lost. Were you happy about that? Yeah,
2: not even <laughs> Iowa, Iowa,
1: honest.
2: for sure. Yes,
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay. Who? Who? Yeah, go ahead, Ward. Oh well, th- no, you you were going to keep uh, on that line of questioning. So go I was just
2: going to
1: ask. Now you've played two seasons in the Big Ten. Obviously, Purdue is our big rival. We'll get to that game. Mm-hmm. But is there a team that surprises you, that sticks out as a team you really don't like, that's not Purdue? Is there one that sticks out
2: more than the others? Uh, I don't really have a team like that. That, I, that no, I wouldn't say I have a team that I, I, I despise. No.
0: All right. You're too nice. You're too good of a person. That's the problem. <laughs> that You're too mature. Too Okay. Mature. So when we were sitting there in the, the waning minute, minutes of the tournament game, uh, we, we made it to Portland for better or worse. Maybe that loss is on us, um, <laughs> but it, it wasn't lost on on me in those final moments when the game was decided that a week earlier we weren't even supposed to be there. Like, basically, most of, of Hoosier Nation and the pundits had said, we're not even going to make the tournament. Is that something where, even though you're watching these teams going on to the Sweet 16, say, like, a Michigan, who you just recently beat, um, are you still able to appreciate and just, you know, basically look fondly back on... A tournament you you didn't even think necessarily you were going to be in, or did you think the whole time you were going to make the NCAA tournament?
2: Um, I like to be honest. I didn't know we was gonna make the tournament. Like I felt like we was gonna make the tournament. Like because after um, the Michigan game, we won that Michigan game, and like and like the way we played, I feel like. That was, like, something that, like, that was going to happen a couple more times. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it wasn't, like, a, a one game where I play, everybody played well because everybody was in sync. You know what I mean? Like, towards the end of the season, I feel like everybody started playing together. Everybody's playing smart, good basketball. And, like, after that game, I'm, like, everybody going to go on a run. You know what I mean? So, I was, like, so, like, I kind of didn't really have that much down my mind, down my mind that we was going to make a, a tournament. But also, like, I didn't allow myself to think like that. Like, every time I thought, like, oh, like, I don't think we're going to make it. I'm like, nah, you know, we're going to make it. Who cares? You know I mean?
1: so- All right. So let's now take a step back and look at the last year. One of the things that we heard as last year ended and going into this year was how much your game had developed just in practice, that your three-point shot really came along. It was more consistent. You were hitting, like, 50% of your threes in practice, we had heard. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it was higher. Um, how much – what was your work – you know what was your plan in the off season last off season, and how did you go about executing it?
2: Well, my plan in the off season was well last off season was just like strengthening like my strengths. Really, you know, I just worked on my catch and shoot jumper. I worked on you know, uh, like I do like 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 a lot of like defensive drills, like you know defensive slides and you know all that kind of stuff uh, from I learned from my old trainer back home, um, and just. You know, ball screens, stuff like that. But, like, uh, like, I just put myself in scenarios, like, when I work out, where I know I'm going to use them in the game. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, last offseason, I just, like, practiced uh, setting screens, going to the basket, some post moves, face face up, you know what I mean? Catch and shoot three-pointer. But I just really just sharpened my tools, really. Sharpened my tools, you know, that I have in me.
0: What, what did Coach Woodson – And uh, let's say the new members of the staff, because obviously, you know Kenya Kenya remained. Um, What what did you, if you can just give us one or two things that you learned about the game of basketball, and specifically how Coach Woodson wants you to play it? That you know, one of the stories of you coming into college was you were relatively green and inexperienced at the game of basketball compared to some kids who'd been doing it since kindergarten all day every day. So now you've got somebody who just spent. 40 years in the NBA teaching you. What's a couple of the big headlines you took away about the game of basketball that continue to feed your game?
2: Um, I guess it's like some things that I would take away from like coach Wilson, like, bro, like it's crazy. Like when he speaks about basketball, like, like, like you can just tell it like, he knows so much, you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes like the assistant coaches think like we should do something else. Cause like, the way he runs the, the program, the coaching program is like everybody can have their input. But, you know, if he d- decides what, you know, what's going on, he, he can, you know, do what he wants. But like he allows the coaches to uh, have the input. So we can all like uh, figure out like a way to like, you know, set a defense up or a way to like you know, how to beat a press or whatever. And so like, like there be times where Coach puts in like would have a certain game plan and other coaches won't like, you know, I guess agree with it. And Coach Woodson would, like, be like, no, like, like, this is it. And then, like, it will all work out at the end of the day. <laughs> like, he'd just be, like, always thinking two steps ahead. And, like, every time he speaks, like, in practice, I'm, I'm always listening because he's always, like, spent some knowledge. That's one thing about Coach Woodson that, you know. How was
1: the transition for you from from the old staff that obviously recruited you? And and if I'm not mistaken, it was Bruiser Flint, who was really in on your recruitment originally. And then obviously Archie and Tom and and the group that was there, then they're all gone except for Kenya, who obviously Ward talked about was there. But how was that transition for you? Was that look, it's not easy going from Newark, New Jersey, your high school to Bloomington, Indiana. And playing for a whole new system and having to learn all that stuff. And then one year in, when you're probably starting to get a feel for it, it all changes again. What was that transition like for you? Was that difficult?
2: Um, It wasn't too hard. Like, it wasn't as hard as, you know, people would expect it. But, um, you know, like like you said, you know, I I came from Jersey, went to school in New Hampshire, went to Indiana, new coaching change, the coaching staff. Like, Like, I'm used to change. You know what I mean? So I was able to adapt pretty nicely, I feel like.
1: And did the coaches especially, I mean, we hear so much about how Mike Woodson is a player's coach. And we've been around a little bit to see the relationships, you know, and how he talks to players. He's very serious and can get after somebody, but he can also joke around and make things light. It seems like that chemistry that you were talking about uh, amongst the teammates also exists with the coaching staff it seems like is that yeah I see you nodding can you talk a little bit about how you feel about the coaches
2: um I, I love my coaches um I mean like they're like my friends as well you know what I mean like I can joke around with them like you know they're able to like not be serious all the time and be able to like crack a smile and like that is like that to, uh, to me sometimes like it's like really important as a coach you know what I mean so like because that allows you know that tells me, okay, like he's human, you know what I mean? Like he has emotions too and stuff like that. And I can relate better with him. But um, yeah, but yeah, the coaching staff this year, like, I'm not saying like last year didn't have this, but like the kind of coaching staff this year is like really like uh, animated, you know what I mean? Like they love the crack jokes and, you know, it's always a good time. So.
0: Well, and one thing we heard when Coach Woodson came in was how much he wanted to instill confidence in you guys as a team and as individuals. And, from the outside, it seemed like that really came together at the end of this year when you're down by 14 at halftime to Michigan. It, was that really fundamental? Was that a primary reason that you guys were able to go on that run at the end? Because even though there was a real rough stretch of games there, you lost five in a row, mm-hmm. That did, did you just remain confident in large part because of Coach Woodson's approach?
2: Yeah. Uh, I feel like coach Woodson had a, a big part in you know, maintain the team's confidence. Um Like, so every time you go over film and like, you know, we go over like, you know, I guess mistakes you make, like he, he always like comes back and says like good things, like good things, like reassuring things. And always says like, um, it's our defense that, you know, takes us, you know, to like, you know, better places and stuff. And. He always like like reassures us like what our strengths are and like we always know okay like if we like he always says if we play defense and rebound you know, we'll win games and you know we just do that and yeah
1: <laughs> uh before like, we go on I got to ask because your sweatshirt is screaming at us to mm-hmm. talk to you about the billionaires boys club what what is the billionaires boys club it is written on your right shoulder on your sweatshirt
2: yeah, I got actually got this in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it, it just look kind of cool. I mean, like I don't know much about the uh brand, but I, I know it's kind of popular. So I just like bombing it was, like, this. Like is my first one I bought. So that's cool. I like it. It looks soft. It is soft, but I have to rem- remember to not wash it or it's in a shrink. Yeah, I think exactly. I
1: All right, so let's go to the Bahamas. Uh, the season started really in the Bahamas, the first time where the new staff, the new team, all got a chance to just be together almost 24-7. Um, you talked a little bit about the building the chemistry of the team and how that helped. How great of an experience was the Bahamas for you?
2: I think it was a great experience. I mean, like I feel like it was smart too, you know what I mean? Because uh, there's a lot of new players, you know, a uh, whole new coaching staff. You know, new coach. I feel like that Bahamas trip was, uh, first of all, a, a great test for our team. You know what I mean? And also, it was a good uh, team bonding experience. Uh, like, we went swimming with the Dolphins. We went to team dinners together. You know, uh, went to the beach together. Like, like it was a good uh, time for the team. to you know, be together and just learning about each other. And, Who was your roommate in the Bahamas? Um, my roommate in the Bahamas was Big Mike.
1: Big Mike. Big Mike seems like he's got a fun personality.
2: Yeah, he's he's a he's a funny dude. Yeah, I love Big Mike. He's cool. Now we were
1: told by some of your other teammates, you may not like this, but when we asked them who is most likely on the team to leave the room in disrepair, like a, a sloppy room, your name came up. Yeah, look, Slackjaw. <laughs> do you do you take exception to that? Do you disagree with
2: that? I disagree with that. I disagree with that because there are some slobs on this team and I'm not one. Well, of
1: no, them. they they sold you out, so you got to give us. Who would you say would At leave the room throw to them under the bus?
2: Dang. I'm not going to expose nobody, you know what I'm saying? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm going to just keep it. Keep <laughs> a Look, he's of. too
2: mature. He's
1: too mature. Taking the high road. Taking the high road. road, man, the the high road. High road. Were, when you played those wonder, Bahamas.
2: Uh, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I I, not Oh, I was going to move on from
1: the Bahamas. Oh, one more Bahamas question. Because it was the first time that you got to play in games against someone else in the new Mike Woodson system, and you guys won both those games against some talent, you know, one of the guys is considered to be a lottery pick. Could you tell then that both defensively and offensively, there's like a new sheriff in town, like this feels different? Was it that quick?
2: Um, I would say so, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like, Cause, like we was always playing against each other you know what i mean so like like we was hungry to go out there and play against somebody else and you know that out of that added a competitive edge along with you know us you know just wanting to play i feel like after we like won those two games is like you know we knew like we was going to be like a problem you know what i mean yeah absolutely it was a good it was a good feeling yeah
0: well well and then you got into some Preseason games, if we're, you know, moving on from the Bahamas. And I just want to talk about the defense because I think we were all watching this new defense take hold against some less than stellar competition. We're like, all right, well, let's see when we get into the Big Ten. Let's really see how this holds up and how they do. And lo and behold, at the end of the season, it's the number one defense in the Big Ten, Big Ten Conference, one of the best in the country. And as you alluded to earlier, it really kept us in a lot of games, got us back into some games, and is largely responsible for having a successful season. What What is it about this defense? What, If you could boil it down to a couple of principles, what makes it so effective so relatively quickly under Coach Woodson?
2: Um, so... Like one thing coach Woodson always like always says is like on defense, it's important to like never like leave like your teammate on the island. You know what I mean? Like he always emphasizes like being in the gaps. You know what I mean? Like uh, like it's never like one on one basketball. You know what I'm saying it's five v five. So like we always have people in a, like he emphasizes, emphasizes people to be in the right spots, at the right time. So like, you know, our rotations can be, you know, on spot, but like you can talk about X's and O's and everything like that. But I feel like this team just has like grit. You know what I mean? like they're just like having like a chip on their shoulder and like, it doesn't matter if we're like, you know, down like a whole lot, we'll still play hard until the buzzer sounds. You know what I mean? Like it has that edge that, and that's what I like about this team a lot too.
1: It so. seems like some of that grit did come from some of the new players and especially X who just seemed like he always plays with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he conducts his social media with a chip on his shoulder. Um, did you notice that about him from the jump that like, oh, this dude is a dog. He's coming in here to compete. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I know that's about him. Yeah.
1: What, and, and were you able to build a relationship with X off the court as well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. he We like X. We like his demeanor. Yeah. He's cool people. He's cool people. Yeah, he is. All right. So the season starts, like Ward said, you're, you're playing some pre-conference opponents. You kind of have a coming out party, if you will, against Merrimack where you go for 13 points and 13 rebounds, which was a pretty amazing double-double. Was that your first double-double as a Hoosier? Yeah. And and, and that was in 20 minutes. That's right. In 20 minutes of play, 13 rebounds. How good did that feel? And we often hear about people in year... Sometimes it happens in year one, sometimes year two, that they feel like the game slows down a little bit for them did that happen for you this year more than year one
2: yeah yeah it has uh like there's been like for sure like some times, where like I, I'm, I'm able to like break down plays like i wouldn't have before you know what i mean like you know like i'll see like my man rotate this way like oh i should cut back door or i should like go around this way get a better angle like like i'll, I'll see stuff differently and like that's the kind of stuff you can't really uh teach but you can gonna learn through film and just actual experience. You know what I mean? That's really interesting, though,
1: because like even talking about seeing which way your man goes is the same thing apply. Like on the free throw line, you were so good at getting rebounds and being disruptive on the free throw line. Is that sure. stuff that you're seeing this year that you didn't see in year one, just from experience and film?
2: Yeah, yeah, like, like uh, that, that that spin rebound I got off the I think it from Merrimack too. Yeah, yeah, like I think I would see like all this like wait. Like my man, like so, I would be in the middle. He'd be, you know, next to me, uh, next to the rim on the block, obviously. And like I would see him put all of his weight on his like left leg. So I'm thinking, like, you know, all his weight's coming towards me. So I'm just spin off him quick. So like, I got something to think, and like just stuff like that. And uh, you know, like I, like I just think more in depth. You know what I mean? And just always yeah. try to get advantage to like you know either get a rebound or better the opportunity to score a basket for my teammates or whatever. So yeah.
0: I do wonder, like, in terms of the art of the rebound, mm-hmm. it is one thing that you, you can have sort of natural instincts for. Obviously, you have the athleticism which aids you. But I think about somebody like Dennis Rodman, who's like really a student of the rebound. Are there any rebounders whose footage you go to where maybe the coaching staff said, hey, you need to look, look at how the worm did it? Or, or is it all just kind of watching your own tape and, and learning from practice?
2: Um, it's kind of like saying like, uh, watching my own table in practice, but I'm not going to lie. I have seen some like Dennis Rodman, like rebounding, like highlights and stuff like that. And there's other great rebounders, you know what I mean? And just like seeing how they move and stuff. I've seen that. I've seen that before. So
1: your minutes, you know, you played a bunch at the beginning. There were games where you played 18, 20 minutes, and then you would go down and have some games in the single digits and then back up. How difficult is that, Jordan, just to keep yourself ready and motivated when you don't know exactly how many minutes you're going to play. Was that a frustrating experience
2: for you? Um, like it wasn't frustrating, but it definitely wasn't, uh, I guess ideal. I mean, like, uh, like, you know, I guess I'd have some good games and then I'll be followed like with like a game with like, I I don't play as much minutes, but I wouldn't let it, like, you know, kill me because I'm only that like, there's more opportunity for me to play and stuff like that. But, like, all I did was just motivate me to, you know, keep uh, working harder because, like, the next time – because if I do have those minutes that I wasn't given, I better do do it right, you know what I mean? Because, like, right. you know, I don't, I don't want to be the, uh, the person to mess it up and, like, oh, let's see, like, this is why he doesn't play, you know what I mean? So –
0: what were there ever conversations with any of the coaches of like, Hey, it was a matchup thing tonight and we really needed this guy in instead of you because of X, Y, or Z, or is it just sort of unspoken and you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Why people are getting minutes in a given game.
2: Um, I wouldn't say it's like, uh, it's unspoken and you just got to figure it out. But, um, Cause, Cause, the coach's door is always open. If you want to talk to him about anything, you know what I mean. Like he's always saying, like you know, my door is always open, guys. You want to talk about anything? If it's like miniature, anything, let him know. But um, I wouldn't say like they were like you know gonna give you give you a reason why you only played seven minutes and thirty nine seconds because you know right. It's that, this, that? But like yeah, like if you had a problem with you know anything, like go with, you always go to the coach's uh, room or his uh, office, but.
1: And is that something you took advantage of? Not just about minutes, but were you able to? Did you take advantage of going in and talking to the coaches and talking to Woody when something was on your mind? hmm That's good. That, that's got to feel good to have that kind of relationship with the coaching staff where you know you can go in. Right. Because, like, I tell Ward, my door's always open for Ward to talk to, but the truth is I don't want to talk to him.
0: And I, I, and I don't, I don't want to walk in that room yeah he knows it's it smells funny
1: it does i would be the one that would be the slob in the room although we did share a room in
0: portland one time only oh, really? yeah how's that? How that not great
1: not great not great <laughs> no just staring at each other at like one in the morning
0: well let's just say eric had a meal that his stomach was not prepared to digest and there was only one bathroom
1: yeah that's true. small room, small room all right, we go on the road, uh obviously, winning on the road in the big ten is a very difficult thing. You yeah. seem to really perform on the road this year. We went to Nebraska where you score ten points and eight rebounds and help us win at Nebraska uh at Maryland, of course, you have the famous bounce shot, which we will talk about but um and then and then at Minnesota, you go for ten points and three rebounds there in addition to your defense. And just disruption, the deflections, and and the energy that you bring. But um, what is it about playing on the road that is just so damn different than playing at home? I mean, everybody in the Big Ten is terrible on the road and better at home.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like playing with uh, playing away games on home games it really just shows like how much power like uh, home advantage has and the crowd has. You know what I mean, like. If you have a crowd cheering you on, you know what I mean? Like, it's gonna give you energy to, you know, keep playing hard. But if you have like, a crowd chaining airball at you, you know what I mean? If you have a shot, you're gonna be like more, I guess, discouraged, but it also plays into like how mentally tough the players are. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, I guess, I guess I would say like, and also the the big Ten has, has some really like bad arenas in terms of like, like how do I say this? Like, I can't talk right now. Jeez,
1: referees, referees give home teams the call. Is that what you want to say? Cause you don't have to say it, but we oh, will.
2: No, 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 I was going to say that. But like, <laughs> what, I, what, what I was meaning to say is like, this, like the, the environments you play in, like, differ. You know what I mean? And like, and there's like a lot of uh, arenas that's hard to play in. That's like my, just
1: shooting backgrounds and things like that.
2: Yeah. Like in terms of like, you know, the crowd, you know what I mean? Uh, just how, like the way like, the arena is built like like Arena is hard to play in, right? Like the sound bounces off everywhere. I, I I couldn't hear anything. Mm. You know the overwhelming stench. Stench. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, well, uh, well, let's we, let's yeah. flip it and talk about playing an Assembly Hall
4: because yeah, your first I was, season. I, I, I'd hate did, to play it, If I was yeah. a team
0: like like this was your first year actually getting to play in front of that crowd and we could even particularly go to that Purdue game what is that electricity like when you're down on the court and 17,000 people are going nuts uh
2: I'm not going to lie at first I was nervous you know what I mean like, yeah. like I was nervous to step out in front of all these people because like before that I never played in front of like a large crowd before like never have but like when I was out there I was like bro like I was really born for this. You know what I mean? Mm. I I was born to go out and play for all these people. So like, and like I'm knowing like I'm going to perform well if I just focus, you know, and keep my head on straight. And so I feel like, I didn't really get that nervous after that, but it was a great experience though. It was a great experience.
0: I love hearing you say that you just felt you were born for it because that is what we grew to trust When you were on the court this year, that was when you came in and specifically when shots went up, there was a faith and a confidence sitting at home thousands of miles away that your shots were going to fall in a season where there wasn't a lot of confidence that a lot of shots would fall. There's something about your aura and ultimately your shooting percentage that no matter where you were on the court, all three levels, when you put it up. It just felt different. I think we all just grew more and more confident as you did. And it's really, really fun to watch. I
2: got to say. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's fun to experience, too. <laughs>
1: well, let's talk about maybe the greatest moment of that crowd and that feeling, which has to be the Purdue game this year, the home game against Purdue, where oh, we yeah. finally slayed the Dragon. Right. Just yeah. walk us through, Jordan. What I mean, you had played in Assembly Hall several games before that but nothing compared to that noise.
2: Nothing. What was it like? Like, I mean, it it was crazy. Like, there was, like, lines outside of Assembly Hall the day before the game even started. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's how I knew, like, this was going to be a crazy game. But um, the crowd was insane, like... The, the stadium was full, like, even before, like, warm-ups even started, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the energy was unmatched, and, like, it was a great place to play play.
1: And when you come into a game like that, and it's just buzzing, what do you have to tell yourself to just find the calm that you need? Because you are a guy who does play with emotion, mm-hmm. um, and I think you would probably say sometimes the emotion gets the better of you, and you need to figure mm-hmm. out how to harness it. Mm-hmm. But what what do you do to harness it? How do you find your calmness in that sea of craziness?
2: Uh, I just tell myself to breathe. You know what I mean? I just breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, and just take my time. and, and uh, I'll be straight. That's just all it is.
1: Well, you were a lot this season. Now let's get to the Maryland game.
2: Walk us through the horse bounce shot. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, okay, so... Uh, shot goes up, you know, I'm getting boxed out. Um, the ball, the ball is just coming down and like, I'm getting boxed out, but like, I'm able to like reach over. So I reach and like, I couldn't really grab it, like grab the ball. So I just, smack, I just smacked the ball. I mean, like I just smacked it on the, on the, the ball on the floor. Cause I know like if it bounced, I can jump up, which probably grab it over everybody else. Right. But it just bounced into the bucket. I said, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> when well, did you in know the, in
0: the slow-mo in the slow-mo replay from the camera under the basket it's amazing because you slap it and then like with the other players you're all your eyes go up and then you can kind of tell as it's starting to come back down it registers and you're in your mind you're kind of like it might and then it goes <laughs> through and you're like it did Well I, the, the funniest moment of the entire season was your reaction to that shot
2: yeah that was that was that was hilarious that was nonsense i I feel like i can't do that if i tried like no that's also one of those
1: where on the way back you raise your hand and be like yeah those are my two points
2: (laughs) make sure that those go
1: in the box score under geronimo those are mine right um so so then you we do hit you know obviously ward talked about that hard stretch um and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the northwestern game uh and i don't want to get into the specifics we're not asking you to, to dirt on, uh, you know, your, your teammates. But look, it was a public thing where five guys got suspended for that game. Um, how difficult was that as a teammate of oh, those are your friends getting suspended? It's obviously a big news story. You're shorthanded going into that game and we lose a game that we probably should have won, which, yeah. which did have some seeding implications as it turned out. But what was that moment like for you? And when Woody laid down his punishment um, how did you and the team take that
2: um well i feel like that experience was like a really big big uh, learning lesson for the team in terms of maturity um it like it was difficult because you know northwestern was a big game for, for Miller. and you not know, being that five players got suspended and we, and we weren't able there to like cup them out uh like it kind of like you know was an eye-opener for us and like I guess, like, I think after that, we kind of like matured a lot more as a team. Uh, but it was definitely a hard, uh, hard experience. But, uh, like, every team has to go through adversity, whether it's off the court or on the court, in order to, for them to, you know, grow. So... Was, the
1: was there a moment after that happened when Woody did suspend everybody? Was there, like, I don't know, a player meeting or something where it's like, this guy isn't screwing around. Like, if we mess up this is what's going to happen, and no more of that this year. Did that kind of happen
2: on the team? Yeah, like, like there was kind of like, like a rally, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, guys, like, let's let's lock in and not, and not mess around. Like, let's, let's, let's get to it. So. And
1: is it a team thing, Jordan, or is there – you've got some upperclassmen on the team. Are there people that are, like, the leaders on the team that are leading the charge in that?
2: Of course, always the captains, you know, are the people who are going like, to, lead, like, lead it. But, like, it's always, like, a team thing at, at, at the end of the day. You know I mean, like, everybody's always, like – uh, contributing over it again. can
0: that seemed to be a watershed moment of coach woodson publicly saying it's it's about the culture of this program first and then and then the wins will come um is can you can you talk a little bit about what mike woodson's culture is obviously accountability is is part of it but but what yeah. what should it feel like you know and let's Let's hope you're coming back next year as an upperclassman as a leader on this team. What would that mean to lead be be a leading member of a, Co- a Coach Woodson program?
2: Um, well Coach Woodson like you said like he's really big on accountability. He's really big on like not making excuses and like you know holding your own. And um like I feel like what Coach Woodson brings into this program uh, is just, like, uh, a toughness. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I, I did say, like, earlier, like, his defensive principles is, like, never leave your teammate on an island. But he also says a lot in practice, like, don't beg for help. You know what I mean? Like, like you should, like, like you know, handle, like, yourself with pride and feel like, oh, if I, if I take the shot, it's going to go in. You know what I mean? If I, if I have to guard this man, like, he's not scoring on me. You know what I mean? He's he's always trying to tell us to, like, he's always trying to instill, like, those, like, uh, like, those, like, what's the word? Like those Those ideals? Ideals, yeah, into our heads, you know what I mean? Sure. And uh, I feel like that's that's really important.
1: One thing that you and your teammates deal with that many of the people who hung, well, I shouldn't say many, all of the people that hung those banners at Assembly Hall never had to deal with was social media. And mm-hmm. social media uh, was something that coach Woodson commented on throughout the year. A few times his, his kind of dislike of social media. And mm-hmm. obviously he's from a generation that didn't grow up with it. You're from a generation that did when you're in a stretch like that, where you were losing the, the five games in a row. Um, how much are you on social media? Are you seeing the negativity that exists and Does the negativity that exists, especially from Indiana fans, does that affect you personally and your teammates?
2: Um, I feel like, I mean, as a kid, like, as a kid, as a college student, like, it's impossible for me to not avoid social media. You know what I mean? But we all know what it is at the end of the day. Like, you know, we can't really let the fans, like, affect, you know, affect us. You know what I mean? Because, like, at the end of the day, it's just, Really just us and our coaches, uh, you know, who can decide if you're gonna win or lose. You know what I mean? But um I would say like the like the fans don't really affect the players. But like, you really? know, we do see comments, you know, but we like we don't really acknowledge them though. You know what I mean? But although
1: it does seem like X, for example, X takes the negativity and uses it, like tries yeah. to use it as motivation. Do you some people are able to do that. I mean, obviously Kobe was known for that. Michael was known for that, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the greats, but look, we're also all human and you guys are all human. And if you see a bunch of negativity, it's a human thing to be affected by it or to try to prove something to fans, which that's not going to get you anywhere.
2: Right. Right. But, um, yeah, like people take, uh, take reactions. They take comments differently, but like for my team, I guess I would say like, we're, like, pretty good at not letting it affect us and just focusing on, like, our our main goal, so.
0: That's good. I wonder with the social interaction you can't avoid on campus in class around Bloomington, um, just kind of what what you felt, maybe even compared to last year, certainly at the end of last year, it seemed like there was just a, a pessimism and a hopelessness I'm wondering, even with with what happened in Indianapolis at the Big Ten tournament and what happened in Dayton and now in sort of the the afterglow, if you will, do you can you can you feel the positive buzz around this program right now today that probably didn't exist after the end of the Big Ten tournament last year?
2: For sure. Uh, I feel like there's more of like a positive vibe around the program uh, this year versus last year. 'Cause you know, uh like we kinda ended on like a positive note. Yeah. I mean, it kind of like doesn't look like it. If you look at the scores, you know, we lost by thirty, kinda sucks. But, like at the end of the day, like like you said, we won two uh Big Ten tournament games and one like anti double a tournament game. So like it's like it's a good found it's a good place to start, you know what I mean? And we all know that. So
0: So it's like people see on campus and it's like, Hey, good game. And you can, or good season. You can tell everybody was, was happy with, with the season that was
1: right. Cool. All right. Let's talk about the big 10 tournament. So Michigan Mm -hmm. who smoked us at home, which did not feel good, obviously after Mm -hmm. that Purdue game. And I would imagine the coach Woodson had some choice words after that Michigan game or during the Michigan game, Mm -hmm. uh, what I mean, you had a huge three in that game, by the way, uh, against Michigan. Um, w- walk us through just what it felt like to grind that game out, and the locker room after that game.
2: It felt good. I mean, just seeing like just seeing like you know the 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 difference in the score just get narrower and narrower and narrower, and being being able to pull through with a lead. By uh, you know, just playing hard and playing with energy, it's, it's always a great feeling. Locker room was you know was turned afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, like it just shows like you know we can really like do anything if we like play together and lock in together. So,
0: well, it was a great, great, historically great second half in the postseason for you guys. But it was still a reminder of what had happened so many times earlier in the season was one really great half oh say on the road against wisconsin mm. second half not so much yeah. so fortunately in this game the second half was so great that it more than made up for the first half then comes illinois a team that again eric and i witnessed really thrashed you guys at home in the second half but this was the game it felt like you guys put together almost a complete 40 minutes Why do you think finally it clicked in for two halves that you guys were able to bring it and beat what a lot of people thought could have been a Final Four
2: team? Um, that's a good question. Like, I I mean, like, I feel like, like after that timeout, we had like I guess like 14 minutes left. You know, we, we was down by a good amount. Um, I feel like after that timeout, like, it just felt different. Like, things just felt different. Like, I feel like, like you know, everybody was just playing hard, you know what I mean? Like, hard as shit. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, and, like, when we pulled out that W, like, it was just, like, saying, like – like, it, it was a great example of saying, like, okay, guys, if you play hard as hell, like, all the time, we like, we was just able to come back from by 14 from Michigan. Like, imagine what else we can do. You know what I mean? And so – we just kind of took that with us and we kind of went on the run. I feel like. So
1: by the way, um, a lot's been made about Woody's halftime speech at Michigan and, and how he got into some guys. Have you ever seen him more animated than halftime of the Michigan game? No, not really. <laughs> now, <laughs> now I, I have to ask this, and this is going to sound so silly, but like when I played basketball in high school, uh, you know, I wasn't that good, but when my coach would go crazy, there were times where, like, as the kids, like, yes, you're a little scared because he's going nuts, but you also have to hold back laughing because it's funny watching a grown man lose his shit like that. Uh-huh. Is there ever a time where these coaches are going nuts at you and you have to find yourself biting your tongue to just not laugh?
2: Nah, no. Nah. Well, <laughs> nah. It's not funny, huh? When coaches get angry, they get angry. So I I, I try to pay attention, you know, laughing, so...
1: Yeah, well, you're better than me. I just think it's funny when people are losing their minds.
2: But also, was your your high
0: school coach as imposing as Coach Woodson? No, Bob McCormick. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, I love my high school coach. He was the nicest guy on the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, he wouldn't like you know hurt a fly. You know what I mean? He's, he's a cool. He's a cool ass dude. Did but, you
1: did Woody ever come after you
2: in a certain point
1: in the season? Was there one particular time that you remember? Uh, specifically, where he came after you, and you just had to sit there and take it.
2: Yeah, I remember. I remember during the Penn State game, I think it was a home game. Uh, like, you know, like so. If if, if your man, if you're on defense and your man's in the corner, and someone drives towards you, you're not supposed to help off the corner, right? And I did, and he threw it out to Miles Dread, splash at three, because I messed up on my rotation, and I came back to the huddle, and he let me have it, and like, I, like it was bad. That, <laughs> what do you say? Do you say anything in response no, to it? No, like, there's nothing you could really say because, like, I mean, like, if you like talk back, then, like, you know, you're not supposed to talk back to your coach, you know what I mean, right? But like, I just like sit there and listen to it because, because I know, like, like, at the end of the day, like, he may be yelling and saying some extra stuff in there, but he's always trying to give me advice and help help at, help at the end of the day, so I, I just take the message along with the way he's saying it
1: by the way when that happens when you know that you messed up and you helped when you shouldn't are you just like not making eye contact with him on the bench like are you are you hoping somehow he like had a sneezing fit during that and didn't see what just happened
2: oh man no like already know, i'm already knowing i am gonna mean, hear something if i mess up on on some assignment and come back down to court i'm like i already know he's gonna say something so like i just I just take it as how it is for real <laughs> yeah. All right. So
0: you you play the Iowa game. Yeah. Uh, or did you have something else on Illinois? Well, I guess I'm just I wanted to get the vibe from you of being in Indianapolis and it basically being a home crowd for you guys up there at the field house just how much how much fun was that after you know all of last year with no crowd and now you're you're up in the big city which is default home crowd like how much fun was it to be playing the best basketball of of your career individually of the program since you'd arrived were you like oh yeah this is why i came to play for indiana university was it feeling that way
2: yeah, it was a great feeling just knowing that I, I was able to, you know, um, help the team, you know, in a, a big way. You know what I mean? And I, I did get that feeling.
1: So the Iowa game comes around. And truthfully, for the vast majority of the game, I mean, you guys play the best basketball you've played all season. I mean, everything w- was kind of clicking. And, um, but, but, but also, uh, Wait, I'm getting confused now, though. Was
2: Iowa where you hurt yourself? No, I got hurt during the Illinois game. During the Illinois game. I missed the Iowa game. You
1: missed the Iowa game, right. So let's talk about the Illinois injury. Because Mm -hmm. I said this to you in Portland. Mm -hmm. It looked like on one play, you blew out your ankle and knee at the same time. And everyone watching it was like, there's no way this guy's gonna be able to walk again. I mean, this is like a year-long injury. And then we started hearing like, well, we'll see. We may get him back by the by the NCAA tournament. We're like, what? This guy. So walk us through that injury and 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 how quickly you knew you might be able to come back and how scared were
2: you in the moment. Right. Um well it was definitely a scary moment. Um when well, like when I when I came down, like I had like a lot of pain in my ankle and in my knee, and uh, when I got up, I, I couldn't like you know walk really. So I had my teammates help me to the bench. But um, as like you know, time went by, and I went to the the back, of the tunnel. I was I was with the trainer uh, Tim Garo, and I was able to like like he put me do some like physical exercises to like check if I can you know do certain stuff, and like I was able to move pretty well like after like the first like. Five minutes, like I, I, I think it was a adrenaline, to be honest. But I was able to move. um I was gonna play again, like, like go back in the game.
0: Mm.
1: When, really,
2: you
3: know,
2: you know when, when I was out, the team was going to run. So like, I kind of just sat on the bench. But as like you know, the day went by after the game. Like my ankle got a swollen, my knee was. Thank God it was fine. You know, we had like x-rays and MRI, not MRI, but X-rays and everything looked okay. But uh, my ankle got kind of swollen, like and like it like that whole thing just turned into like a sprained ankle. So like, you know, I take How- that over only, like that could have possibly happened.
1: Yeah, because you're a genetic freak. That's why. That's why it happened that way, because you're a freak (laughs) of physical prowess. Thank you, mom and dad. Yeah. (laughs) How hard was it for you to sit on the bench and not watch that Iowa game and not be able to get into that Iowa game, especially when clearly the Murray brothers are guys that you would be guarding, you know, uh, in that game? Um, How hard was that for you personally?
2: It was hard uh, knowing that I could you know, I guess, help the team out, but I couldn't. But you know. Yeah, but I, I was able to get through it though, obviously. So
1: well, yeah. you got through it because then we go to Dayton. So let's first talk through Selection Sunday. Yeah You're with the team. This is the first time you've experienced this because last year, Selection Sunday, we knew there was no reason to get together. But this selection Sunday. We had a good feeling we were in, we just didn't know where. What was that moment like? Walk us through your feelings that day and what that was like seeing the name finally get announced and come up on the screen.
2: Uh, There's a lot of anticipation, you know what I mean? Like like everybody kind of knew in the back of their head like, like that we was going to get picked, but you know we was all iffy, so like we like got high hopes and stuff. But uh, it was a great feeling to see our name up on that board. Like, you know, everybody was happy. I'm like, you know, I guess the seating wasn't what everybody would really expected. But just seeing, you know, the Indiana name up there in, uh, on the bracket was a good feeling for everybody.
1: Did you celebrate?
2: Of course. Yes.
1: I know you like but, to dance a little bit. I, I've seen you. There have been some videos of you dancing. Did you break out some dances in the locker room watching that?
2: no nah, I, I never got any dances you know there, there wasn't no space so got it
0: got it, got it. <laughs> but, but look e- even pretty quickly on social media you know going back to X and trace immediately there's this sort of chip placed on the shoulder and you've got to split the line and share it with Wyoming how much is that something you guys sort of talked about and stoked your own fire of like okay we're gonna show them was that was that part of the conversation or was it all business breaking down film on wyoming
2: um, I feel like there was some of that, you know what I mean? Like we was using like any, anything we can to fuel our, you know, fuel, our, put fuel to our fire. You know what I mean? Uh, we felt like we was like, you know, a team that is ever better seating. And so we took that as, uh, something to uh, that can fuel us. You know what I mean?
1: For sure. Oh, I, I do have to go back to the Illinois game. Now that Ward mentioned that chip on the shoulder, <laughs> were you guys aware of the picture that went out with Brad Underwood? You were. So Brad Underwood took a picture screaming his stupid head off. And there was something like roadkill, right? Yes, it said
2: roadkill, goodnight, Indiana entries.
1: So that was something that was definitely part of your guy's mindset going into that Illinois game?
2: Um, for sure. Like we defused it to, you know, give us the motivation, you know, the extra edge to fight. Love it.
1: Love it. All right. So now you're in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's the play in game. That crowd was an IU crowd. Like seventy-five percent of that crowd was IU. I was right. there. It was incredible. And let's be honest, it was not a pretty basketball game. Right. It was a hard. When the game like that is going on, do you as a player feel like, "Holy shit, this is ugly," or are you just you just just grinding every possession?
2: I just take a possession by possession, really. I just yeah. Grind yeah. Well. The only when, wait, when was- did
0: you know for sure you were even gonna play? Oh, good point. Good question.
2: Um, I was feeling like a lot better as the days went by because uh, I like a lot of treatment sessions with Timmy G, like multiple times a day. Just icing it, you know, giving me like like anti-inflammatory medicine for my ankle and stuff. But I knew I was gonna play when I we had like that open practice. And, and like, I was moving, you know, just testing how much way I could put it in and stuff like that. If I can cut this way, cut that way. And it felt really good. So I feel like after that, I was like, yeah, I should be able to play.
1: So the game was really ugly, Mm -hmm. except one thing. Jordan Geronimo. I mean, you lifted the entire team. And granted, you've had games of 13 and 13, you know, 10 and 8. But this was everything. And you, the putback dunks. The shots, you were 7 of 11 from the field. You scored 15 points. You had seven rebounds in 19 minutes. We hear about the zone for players. Do you think you were in a bit of a zone in that game?
2: I feel like I was. I feel like I was. Uh, now you say that. Like, Was there a moment
1: in the game where you realized, oh, shit, things are really working for me today? Yeah. What yeah. was it?
2: I think it was after the third putback done. I got. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, this is a game. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good game.
1: Yeah. Um, and then you win the game, too. I know it was an NCAA tournament game, but this was the game to get us into the tournament proper how mm-hmm. you're celebrating. I, I mean, how good did that feel, Jordan? Did that just like realize everything for you on why you come to Indiana? To be in a game like that and perform at that level?
2: Yeah, it felt great. I mean, like, after that win, uh, the locker room was, you know, was happy, was really happy. You know, everybody was was smiling, you know. Like, to be honest, like, I, like, I felt really good performing because, like, and helping my team win because there's so many seniors on the team that don't have opportunity to play in a tournament. That's happy that they was be able had opportunity to go. I mean, like Ray's robbing them. So yeah. that was a good feeling.
0: Yeah, I did want to. That that was gonna be my follow up. Like, what does that that mean to you? For like those guys who again, who knows? Anybody and everybody could be back next year. But some of these guys been around four or five years. Does that is that something you you even think about uh, as it's as it's all happening, or is it only in the locker room afterwards where you're like. Man, uh, I'm not just happy for me, but I'm happy for for the guys who laid the groundwork to get us here.
2: Um, it's something that I that I keep with me a lot. Actually, like 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 it's not something that I just don't sit down and think about after a locker room. Like race, and it's like and specifically like spe- specifically race, like race, like is like always been like some kind of like mentor for me. You know what I'm saying? Like he's always been like showing me like how to move. You know, like how to move in this and playing college basketball. You know what I mean? uh at the four specifically and just you know how to operate like you know outside of basketball and like every a good
1: person to have as a mentor
2: exactly and every time like you know like i was thinking like in the tournament game i was like i want to like win this game so like uh a race could you know and other seniors could like you know experience you know going to the tournament you know what i mean like that was some kind of like that's something that i used to motivate me as well as you know everything else to get me going
1: So you're celebrating, you get on that private plane that's ready to take you to Portland, you guys are having a good time, the cheerleaders are on, the band is on, and then you realize this plane ain't going anywhere. How screwed up was that whole situation for you? And what do you remember about finding out that you had to change planes and the delay and all that?
2: Man, everybody was just tired, so no one really even, like, had the energy to react, you know. What I mean, I'm mean, like, uh, we like. I mean, like it wasn't the first time we had trouble, troubles with the plane, so like, we um we just switched planes, and then we we was waiting there for like, I, I think we waited for like three and a half hours, but like it didn't feel like three and a half hours. Like time flew by, you know. What I mean, it was weird, but um, but yeah. But like once you took off, everybody was like saying like, thank God, you know, we got there like in the morning uh and as soon as we got back to the hotel in portland oregon like everybody just slept for a good three hours
1: yeah good but before you got there you did break out some dance moves on that plane celebrating i did you do a move where you are like rubbing your belly (laughs) is what i've noticed is there a name for that dance
2: name (laughs) name for that dance uh it's like a uh, like if you go on TikTok and, and do like you know like Philly dance like Philly like like from Philadelphia it's a dance in Philadelphia. Okay. It's like the class style of dance, yeah. It's like we just like rock your hips, yeah. Rock it's, your
1: hips and rub your belly. Did you add the rub the belly?
2: I mean, I would add specifically, but it's just a little some something else. You know what I'm mean? saying?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you get to Portland. You have right. three hours of sleep. Quick team mm. meeting, uh, mm. and then you get that open practice. Right. Look, let's just ask this question because it's been on the minds of everybody about the game. Were you guys tired? I mean, you're 20 some odd years old. Were you tired heading into that game? Can you I don't I'm not asking you to give an excuse, but in the lead up to that game, were you were you conscious of being more tired than you would normally be for a game?
2: Maybe I was. Was or we was like, like me I'm talking for myself because like you know like I can't speak for everybody but me personally like maybe my body was tired but like I didn't feel tired okay you know I mean like, I was fine um like 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 you know like I said earlier coach Winston always tells like not make excuses you know what I mean like coaches is a person coach Winston is a person who doesn't you know make excuses so like we could have a five over you know layover flight like, delay you still got to play, you know what I mean? So, like, um, we, we all just went out there to play, but me personally, I didn't feel tired at all, really. So. So,
0: so, with no excuses, what's the reason that it went so badly in Portland? Because, I mean, we're all already going to be the, the, the after-game thoughts of the mm-hmm. St. Mary's coach, we, we've all got that in the back of our mind. We know what he felt and, and what he thought he saw out there. But for you guys, in terms of being accountable and learning from this moving forward, w- w- why did you get smoked and how can you prevent it next time?
2: Um, I feel like the reason we lost that game was, I, I guess, in that manner. Uh, like, Like the moment they started pulling away, I feel like we just wasn't like setting screens and connecting on screens and we couldn't, and like, no, no, it was not that. It's like, we couldn't connect on screens and they were screening us hard. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we were like hit with ball screens and like it was forced rotation. And, you know, like, like the way, like they was doing the ball screens, like we call it like, a Spain action where like, there's also a down screen set on the big desk rolling. So it was like a lot of stuff going on at once. And, I guess we, you know, we, we just wasn't ready, but um, they were good too. I mean, they we were played. a good team. Yeah. And they was good at like finding like our weaknesses or like attacking, you know, or uh, countering, you know what I mean? Like there was like something like a backdoor play to a uh, play that they had before that we scouted, you know what I mean? But it was a good team.
1: It was a good team. They Do you good. remember the cheerleader moment? And yeah. what was your perspective when that was going on?
2: Yeah, I was actually right next to. I was right next to him when it happened. Like I was on the other side of the bench. Uh, I, th- I thought it was cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it kind of gave the team some energy at the time. Uh, it I did feel
1: it. that way, right? It felt like wow, this might turn the tide, and then it didn't. But yeah, yeah. Do you know those two cheerleaders? Have do you do you know them at all from the year?
2: Uh, not really. No, I don't.
1: Okay. Well, they're superstars now.
2: I know, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so the season ends, obviously. Uh, not the way we wanted it to. Do you have something else on the game, board?
0: I, yeah, I'm just wondering what, what Coach Woodson says to a group of young men that all came together here right at the end of the season to delight us all and give us, quite honestly, the most fun week of basketball we've had as Indiana Hoosier fans in six years. So thank you for that. I wonder what coach Woodson had to say to put a a cap on that before you guys call it, call it quits for the season and fly back to Indiana.
2: Um, can you like say a question one more time? What, what did coach Woodson
0: say to you all in the locker room afterwards? You know, I'm just kind of curious in that of, of it's over now and you're not playing all the psychological mind games of the coaching. It's, it's wrapping up the season with your guys.
2: Right. Oh uh, well, in a lot of them, after you know, after the game, uh, he was just saying you know thank you for allowing um, him to coach us, and he's just saying like you know get a great time coaching this team and you know being able to be a part of this uh, this program and stuff. But um, he didn't, he didn't really say anything in spe- like in specific because I think uh, we're uh, we're still having team meetings uh, still to you know okay. talk about the season, but like. It was just a really generic, you know, uh, thank you for everything. you know it's been a great season. there's still you know more stuff to be done, you know kind of stuff.
1: We talked to you at the beginning about obviously the decision that that is in front of you. Obviously, there's a lot of teammates of yours that are in a similar position and need to make mm-hmm. decisions. Is it something where all of you individually just deal with that on their on your own, or do you get together and talk collectively or with a couple guys to say, what are you thinking? what does this look like if we all come back? Like, how does that work
2: now? I've, I think it's, it's more of like a individual thing. Cause you know, that's like their own issues at, the, at the end of the day.
1: And you think it's like being respectful. Everybody's being respectful of each other by not trying to like, Hey, we should do this together and put pressure right. on you. Right. Do you have a timeline for when you would like to know one way or the other, what you're doing?
2: No, I'd have a timeline specific. No.
1: Okay. Uh, you have been in Bloomington for two years now, so we got to ask you some Bloomington questions. Number right. one, favorite pizza?
2: Pizza. I say Mother Bears.
0: Boom. That's the correct answer. Ward? Favorite non-pizza restaurant?
2: Buffaloes. Look at that. That was Look. on the ready. What do you get there? I always get... So I always get a... Louis, no, I get a 10-piece wings... Just uh, medium. And I always get the All-American burger.
1: Oh, Okay, thank God you added something to the 10-piece because I was thinking I'm like six foot one and not an athlete, and I eat like 30 wings myself. I was like, if all Jordan Geronimo is eating is a 10-piece at Buffaloes and he looks like like that.
2: Yeah, I like to eat.
1: Yeah, okay. All right, so we got Buffaloes. The burger and by the way, you got to try the pot roast sandwich at Buffaloes. Pot
0: roast sandwich? Okay. Yeah. Incredible. Is, it's, I was very skeptical. Eric brought one out to me. And now it's my my favorite sandwich in Bloomington. It's amazing. What is your favorite place
1: in Bloomington? Like, is there a spot on campus that you just like? Is there like that you like looking at a building? Just what is your favorite place specifically in Bloomington? And you cannot say Assembly Hall.
2: Almost got me there. Uh, <laughs> my favorite spot on campus... I'll just say the... i keep it simple. I'll say the IMU.
1: Yeah, that's great. Do you have a spot in the in the union that you go to? Do you have a study spot in there?
2: Yeah, I, I got a little uh, little spot near, near, near Starbucks. I'd, I'd be doing work and stuff over there. Nice. Nice. What
0: is... In, in two years now, four full semesters, what is... The least favorite class you've taken or are taking.
2: <laughs> least favorite class. Uh, I'd probably say classical archaeology. Whoa! Yeah, I'm taking that right now, actually. But and and and,
0: and <laughs> <laughs> on the down low. So yeah. it's not just watching Indiana Jones movies. What what makes it difficult
2: or boring? It's just. It's just uh, a lot more information than I thought would be involved. You know yeah. what I mean? But, um, but yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. But uh, It's interesting, but for real, it's really interesting, actually. But there's a lot of stuff uh, happening that I don't really understand.
1: All right. So let's say you had to, from your teammates, pick someone to come over and help you with your archaeology project that you have to work on. Who would be the first person you would call and who would be the last person you would call?
2: First person I will call is Anthony. Last yes. person I call is Sh- T- Trey Galloway. Trey Galloway was the last? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. You're going to Mother Bears in the back room for stand-up comedy night. Which one of your mm-hmm. teammates do you want to be the headliner for stand-up comedy
2: night? Then comedy night. <laughs> I say. I say Scoop. I, I feel like Scoop would be a good stand-up yeah. comic.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good call. Scoop's got a big personality. Yeah. Who who would be the worst stand-up comic?
2: Worst. I'd say I'd say Logan Duncombe. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, I
1: love it. I love it. All right, Jordan, look, man, I don't want to rehash everything Ward said earlier, but you have in two years become the fan favorite. Uh, we love how you play. We love your attitude. We Thank love you. the, your tantalizing talent. Uh, we've loved you since the first time we got to talk to you and your parents on a podcast a couple of years back. Um, you've got a, a very personal decision to make. You've got a nation of fans that support you and love you and, want to keep supporting you because if you leave, we'll hunt you down and kill you um, <laughs> just, just putting it out there. But um, we really do just love watching you play and love being able to call you a Hoosier man and uh, would love to be able to do that for at least one more go round.
2: I hear you. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: All right, buddy. You'd be really good. All right. You as well. See you guys. Hey man. Thanks for a really fun season.
2: Of course. Of course.
0: That was a guest. That was a guest.
1: He's just such a good kid, right? Like, there's an innocence to him. There's a...
0: uh, A, a uh, There was a real thoughtfulness there. That's the word. That's the word. You could see him, like, take these questions in, which often weren't great questions, because we were asking All all of them. Yeah, and and but really, like looking off to try to like spin some gold out of him, like to to give us something not the generic answers, not the the boilerplate answers that athletes throw out at questions all the time. He he thought about each one, and and I felt it was an enlightening look not only into his own mindset but really everything that went on with the team this year. I
1: totally agree. I mean, you you literally saw him pause before answering. I mean. My dad used to tell me, Eric, just think before you talk. And I ignored that advice completely. Thousand percent. I just think talk. And and Jordan doesn't. Jordan takes a question and really tries to think of what do I want to say about that? And that is the mark of, of I think of a level of maturity that belies his age. And um, and also I think it's important to remember that this is a kid who did not play high-end high school basketball until the very end of his high school career at, in the AAU circuit in like spring and summer. And that was it. Mm -hmm. But you heard him talk about it. I never played in front of a big crowd till this year. And I'm glad you brought that up, Ward, because it's something we forgot. Truthfully, or at least I did that. Jordan Geronimo is a sophomore. But this is the first time he's ever played in
0: front of fans. Yeah. So- like they they said, like, maybe I think his mom said the most he'd ever played in front of before Bloomington was 500 people.
1: Right. And now you're in front of 17,000. And the emotion of that and how you keep that in check and how you do breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. that, And we saw his growth throughout the year and, and clearly hit a peak at the end. Well, he clearly learned how to deal with some of that stuff.
0: Well, but uh, like that, that he said it almost right away. He said, No, I'm I was born for this, but he also said I was nervous, yeah. But but just at first, just at first, I think that was honestly like the first game or so was the impression I got. And that he very quickly was like, As soon as he he calibrated himself to that much noise and that many people, it was like, Oh, oh no, this is this feels right, this is me, and that's why even if he was shooting from outside the arc or a mid-range jumper throughout the season, there it just felt more confident. His stroke looked more confident and consistent compared to a lot of his teammates, and and the results were more consistent ultimately too. I agree. I do think,
1: though, you saw – there were times, especially in the first third of the season, where Jordan would come in with a ball of energy and emotion, and sometimes that would get the better of him. Mm-hmm. He would get in some chippiness and some scrappiness, you know – But it grew, and I just think – I think you're right. He feels like this is the right place. Like, I'm supposed to be playing in front of a bunch of people, and hopefully that continues for a very long time, both collegiately and professionally, and hopefully it continues at Indiana, and we'll get to that in a second. Yes. But um, I think you saw the growth of his game and maturity and everything in a year that was the first time he was in front of fans, and -hmm. that's a big deal, especially from a kid who – Like you said, only played in front of 500. So I I loved his thoughtfulness, his honesty. Uh, I really appreciate him coming on and giving us some perspective. And now let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is he's deciding. And I, I can imagine that some people would hear that and be really upset by it. Why the hell is he considering transferring? That's ridiculous. The entire world of college athletics has changed because of the transfer portal. And because of them allowing you to transfer without sitting out a year, every year becomes free agency in college basketball. And when you are a kid that does not have natural ties to the school that you're at, this is what this game is now. Like Anthony Leal is not considering transferring. I would doubt Trey Galloway is considering transferring. They have natural ties. Anthony, obviously, with his parents, working at Indiana, but growing up in Bloomington, Trey growing up in the state of Indiana, his dad, a high school coach, but Jordan doesn't. And the people that recruited Jordan aren't there anymore. And he has a great relationship. He said, I love my coaches, but this is just status quo now in college basketball. I don't like it. I, I you know, but I, there's not, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. This is just the process that's going to happen. And it's why I think Kenya told us this when we first started talking to Kenya, The most important thing a college coach can do is recruit your own players. Mm -hmm. You constantly have to be recruiting them. Those meetings start this week and that's the recruitment process of keeping them. Hopefully the recruitment
0: process has been going on all year. That's what you hope. Well, I think to keep it specific to Jordan, um, One, you just have to be really grateful for how the year ended, both for the team, but for him individually. Like, if you go back six games, there doesn't seem to be like a very strong case to make empirically during the season to be like, oh, Jordan, you're now going to be a pivotal key player on this team moving forward. But anybody who watched the tournament games from Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament, injury aside... You're like, oh, this this man figures to be very prominent in the future of Indiana University basketball, starting Great at point. the beginning of next season. So I think that that is a very strong case that Coach Woodson and his staff have to make of be like, look, man, we got it there. I think a lot of fans and and who knows about Jordan himself, I couldn't speculate for him, but I can't sp- say a lot of us fans thought. Maybe he should have been getting 20 minutes all season rather than bouncing between seven and 13 and 14. Agreed. Um, so, so we'll see, we'll see. But to your point of this is how this is now. Um, look, it was extra crazy because of COVID and everybody getting like a total get out of jail free card. But now moving forward for for any player who has not yet made their one time transfer without a sitting out penalty, I think it's it's it it goes kind of part and parcel with nil and all of these players now looking at themselves much more as a business from the from the time they show up at a college campus because not only is nil factoring into that but where am i going to get playing time where am i going to get exposure where's going to give me my my best tools and education to get to the next level of my career it's it's less about yeah i'm just a part of the team and go hoosiers it's like Me and my team, meaning my my uh, my my parents, my family, my uh, confidants that I trainer,
1: you know, yeah, yeah. that I
0: showed up with, like that that were with me before I got to Bloomington. We're all going to have to take a step back and see what is best for Jordan Geronimo LLC or whatever player LLC.
1: Yeah, and for Jordan, I think he's at like uh, an interesting tipping point in his career because we've seen now the potential fairly clearly. I mean, this is a guy with elite athleticism, great strength, and has the ability to make shots. And if he continues, he's going to play professional basketball for a vocation. And I'm not saying he's in the NBA. I'm not saying he's a draft pick, but he's going to play professional basketball or at least have the chance to. Mm -hmm. And he's halfway through his college career. So if you're going to make a move, it does make sense to do it now, even if you think you're only going to be there one year, but maybe another two, it'd be nice to be in the same place for the next two years. So I understand, I hate it, and I want him to be here because he's a huge part of our next season. Like, forget the the imminent future. He is yeah. a giant, giant piece of, and and we saw that. So... Look, I, I give him credit for coming on and talking to us and, and being honest about it. I love his thoughtfulness. I just think he's such a good kid um, who's got a naivete and an innocence to him that is refreshing. Like you, Ward.
0: No. I'm, you I am care. so filthy and corrupted. Yeah, you're disgusting. <laughs> you're disgusting.
1: Well, listen, we mentioned the cheerleader moment. Yeah, yeah. But we got a special treat for you in this year-end podcast. We do? We do. We got the
0: cheerleaders. Oh, that is spectacular. Roll it. Here comes our guest. Here comes our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there are Hoosier heroes and there are Hoosier heroes. And we've got not one but two today. Two Hoosier heroes. Eric, please tell the folks who we have with us today.
1: I mean, bottom line, the two best cheerleaders in the history of that craft, period. Bar none. We are talking to folk heroes. We are talking to legends. We are talking to the people that stole the narrative of the entire NCAA tournament, and for Indiana fans, gave us the only thing to cheer about in Portland. Please welcome Nathan Paris and Cassidy Cerny. On. How are you guys? I mean, what the hell is your life like right now? Like just, we'll, we'll get to the moment. We'll get to the moment. But let's start with what is the coolest thing you have done since the moment?
3: A um, lot of interviews, a lot of people following and reaching out, seeing my face when I open my phone. Really weird. <laughs> Grandma, Mom, Grandpa, Dad, everyone, sending me every single article, every single video they see.
4: Yeah, never thought my name would be in an ESPN or Sports Illustrated article, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, I think that's my craziest thing. Also, never thought I'd be on Good Morning America. So, yeah, that, yeah,
1: you you hit like you hit all of them. You were Good Morning America. You were Today Show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Has this anyone- must be
0: so anticlimactic for you. being on the Hoosier hysterics you know like Uh, okay guys we'll throw you Uh,
4: we're happy to be here it was funny we so the next day the Friday before we all flew out with the team um Cassie and I got up around 3 a.m. uh to start doing interviews and pretty much we're on interviews nonstop till about 8 a.m. so it was a busy morning uh
1: so let's talk about your social media profiles how many followers have each of you gained since that day? Uh, let's check. Yeah, let's, let's check. do a live okay. check-in. We'll
0: do. What, it was, like your, your what was your original what? number, and then give us the update.
3: Okay, my original number was around 1,200 okay. at the start of Thursday morning. Um, I am now, by the minute, getting more, and I'm at 3,340.
4: Nice. Awesome. And Nathan, what about you? Mine's not as dramatic, but I'm just the hands, so that's okay. Um, yeah. Mine was, I think I was at uh, 1950, and I just am about to hit 2200.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, real quick, let's get to know you guys a little bit. Give us what year are you a- at Indiana? What What are you studying?
3: Um, so I'm a sophomore, and I'm studying neuroscience.
1: Oh, boy. We got a wow. smart one. We got a smart one, Ward. <laughs> We apologize for our lack of intellect before we even get started here.
4: Uh, I'm a senior uh, studying finance and information systems.
1: Now, Nathan, didn't we talk to you in the hotel? Didn't we get a moment with you? And you were telling us, like, before we lined up in the hotel to welcome the players, you're like, yeah, I mean, this is great because I'm a senior. I haven't had a chance to be in the NCAA tournament, so I'm just happy that we get a game.
4: And then you become a global star. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy timing. Um, what's what's nice is also, I don't know if it was me specifically, but I talked to you guys about your all suits. I knew I needed one of your all suits. Yes. Um, yes. But next year, I'll be staying one more year uh, to go to grad school. I'm going to get my master's in information systems through Kelly. Right. Um, and so I'll be able to cheer one more, one more year next year. So hopefully we'll be back next year with the tournament too.
0: Yeah. Amen. So, so give us an idea to sort of set up what we're working towards here. Like the rest of us, you didn't know that we were going to make the NCAA tournament. You didn't know when we made it, where we were going to go, when. So, so how does it work for you and the the whole squad, you know, who gets to go to what and when and where, and how do the logistics work to actually get you, you know, first to Dayton and then to Portland?
4: Yeah. So our team, the co-ed team is assigned to men's basketball. Um, so we're the ones, we're the team that is uh, part of that men's basketball experience. Um, and so we were given a list of people who would travel if we do make the tournament, because we also were going to travel to the big Ten tournament, which we're guaranteed to go to. So okay. it, it was the same squad uh, just about with a couple uh, subs here and there for scheduling issues. Um, and then, once we found out that, well, once we won those two games, the Big Ten tournament, we're like, okay, so now we have a shot here uh, to make the tournament. And um, then we just were sitting there with our fingers crossed until we, until we got the call. And then at that point, we just were given information from our head coach.
1: Got it. All right. So, Cassidy, walk us through. We win the game against Dayton, and it's like, all right everybody on the private plane that we have chartered it's going to be a nice easy flight out to Portland we'll get there before anybody else who's flying two stops from Dayton through San Jose through Atlanta through Portland what happened when you got on the plane and you realized something was wrong just walk us through that
3: um we were so we were in the back of plane um so we couldn't hear much of what was going on at the front of the plane but i remember we were sitting there for a good 30 minutes it's at that point it was like 1 30 mm-hmm. and i have i'm sitting in the middle of a three row c i got jp on my my right and my friend ava on my left and they're both knocked out and We're sitting there, lights still on, everyone's talking, and then they're like, okay, there might be a 45-minute delay because of turbulence, because you know, we're flying over to the West Coast, there's wind, whatever. We were like, okay, that's fine. Then we hear the message makes it its way to the back of the bus and the weights off because you know, we got band instruments, we got flags, we got megaphones, and then we also got all the basketball teams and their administrations and families, um, suitcases on the plane. So then we got moved to another plane. We're sitting on this plane for a good hour, and we hear that we gotta leave some stuff behind and get it shipped later. <laughs> and of course, it's, you know, the band and cheer stuff. That's probably the heaviest stuff, honestly, that was on that plane. Um, so we were sitting there for a good, mm, we were supposed to leave at 1 and we ended up leaving at around 4. Yeah. Oh,
1: so, wow. that was
3: fun. I think my favorite part was um having JP and Ava occasionally wake up and I'd be like, "We're still here." <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I like that you were in the middle. You should have just been nudging them like, "Oh, you think you're going to sleep? You think you're going to sleep? Guess what? We haven't gone anywhere yet."
3: Sleep it's fine, but they kept waking up, "Are we there?" Oh my gosh, we're no. <laughs> no, nope, haven't you
4: started. So,
1: um, Nathan and Cassie, where are you guys both from?
3: Um, I'm from Avon, Indiana. Nice.
4: And I'm from Floyd's knobs, Indiana.
0: Yes. Yep.
4: Did My you roommate both- in
1: college was from Floyd's knobs. Shout out to Matt Ricky from Floyd's knobs, Indiana.
0: I'm, I'm sure. He, I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's listening. Um, what, uh, uh, did you guys grow up Indiana fans? Was this like a dream come true to go to Bloomington and cheer for the Hoosiers or did you just kind of happen into it?
3: Uh, well, with being in cheer most of my life, I definitely wanted to be um, an Indiana cheerleader. That was a big dream of mine. So, you know, making the team was something that I worked for through high school, um, specifically the IU program. So that was a big deal for me. But I'll share your story. Yeah, so
4: <laughs> I grew up right next to Louisville, Kentucky. So we always enjoyed watching the Louisville Cardinals play, as mm-hmm. um, they're so yeah. close. No. I will say my first ever no. college game was in Freedom Hall, and that was an electric experience back when they still played there. But um, I'm the 10th IU student in my family. Okay. Um, so we've we been cream and crimson from day one. And as soon as I got into Kelly, I was like, okay, all bets are off. I'm going here. So cool. So-
1: Excitement is sky high when that St. Mary's game starts, even though half of us fans couldn't make it in on time. I don't know if you know what happened, but the doors
0: were closed until like what were five minutes before tip off. It was like 90 percent of the people weren't in at tip off. We and we were we were towards the front and moving quickly and we just got in time to see tip.
1: So excitement is sky high and the game starts okay you know, we're winning 21-17 at some point. And then the last part of the first half was as deflating as it could possibly be. You guys are there still having to bring the energy, still having to get the crowd riled up as best as you can, not much to cheer for. Halftime comes, a very sad halftime. And then the second half starts, and it's like, okay, these first four minutes, this is where we can make our run. And they scored a few points. We're down by 16 points. There's 18-25 left in the game and the ball goes up and over the basket and stuck in a place that I have never seen a ball get stuck in the history of watching college, any basketball. Tell us what you guys saw from your perspective looking up at that and how it came to be that you got involved in this legendary moment.
4: Well, so first off, when balls get stuck up at the top of the goals, one of the biggest running jokes with cheer teams is, hey, we should put a stunt up and we can go get it instead of the mop pole or anything like that. It ended up being not really a joke and then we had to do it. So we're sitting down there and it goes up and all of us are like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be crazy if we had to put a stunt up? And are you actually get... saying that to your your fellow cheer yeah, team members? Really do. Yeah, most times we're kind of laughing and joking and things like that. And it's then, a
0: running joke?
4: yeah. And so we, they get the mop pull and the mop pull's not high enough. They get on the chair. It didn't do much better. And it wouldn't let the players.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like you see, we were all terrified that a prayer, player was going to break their leg, right? Like well, everybody or I was did. hoping
1: for a St. Mary's player to
0: do it. <laughs>
4: yeah. Well, we saw that the ref uh, was, like, not going to let anybody get on that chair because I, I knew that he knew all the NCAA people were watching. So for liability reasons, that wasn't going to happen. Um, so we eventually started hearing from our coach And then um, our captain, Ethan, um, was hearing from our coach. And they were like, they want us to put a stunt up. Someone needs to go put a stunt up. And Ethan motioned to me. He's like, you're the tallest. You got the longest arms. Go get a stunt and go get that ball. And so I was like, okay, here we go, Cass. Let's go get that thing.
1: uh." All right. Well, hold on. Stop there. So Cassidy, and do people call you Cass? Can we call you Cass?
4: Yeah,
3: go ahead.
1: That means we're friends now for life, Cass, just so you know. All right. So So that's all happening. When he turns to you, did you even hesitate or were you like, yeah, I got this?
3: I think for most cheerleaders, like wherever you are, when you are out there and it's a fun game, you become someone else. And I am typically like pretty reserved, pretty shy, whatever. But when I'm out there, I am someone i don't even know so in that moment i remembered being like i want to go up like put me up someone put me up and then i saw ethan motion to nathan and i was just ready to go i was so ready
1: (laughs) are are you guys a um team a regular team like do you do that stunt a lot in regular cheers the two of you
4: as far as stunt partners, we actually have two different stunt partners. My stunt partner is Mallory. At the time, yours was... Matias. Um, and so, but we stunt outside of practice all the time. And we, we join a team together. So we had our first couple of months together stunting. So we've done that stunt many, many times
1: before. I'm glad you guys do it because Ward and I do a lot of stunting in our free time. <coughs> and <laughs> I almost put Ward up. But the problem is I can only lift about four pounds in each arm. And that's a struggle. So that that wasn't going to work. So, Nathan, did you know that you plus Cass was tall enough? Because my worry when you got her up was like, is it going to be tall enough to get there? Did you know you got this?
4: Well, so if we were going to stay... So here's some cheer lingo. So from right here is a hand stunt. If you are to put it up here, it becomes an extension. So it's kind of a continuation of the same stunt. Um, at this point, I was... A little concerned because I'm six foot two or three, she's five foot nothing. So right about <laughs> here, her head's probably not gonna get all the way to the top and maybe not her arms either. So I figured once we get to the ball, I'm gonna have to go press her up to extension because that adds another maybe two feet, something like that. Uh because we have to get to I think they said it was about 13 and a half feet high where the ball was.
0: And and you're so not- wait but you did that, but you did the initial one like several feet away. So you're mm-hmm. like, was that just for, for, for drama to just make it a little bit more <laughs> dramatic is like, okay, first we're going to do the hand and then I'm going to walk her over yeah, like and have stun. it, and, and at this point, of course, now the whole arena knows what you're going to attempt to do. So the cheers start to come in right now, as you're walking her over and Cass and you're hearing this, does the adrenaline start to pump for you guys? Are you feeling all the nation is watching you? Yeah.
4: Yeah, that's when it started being real. And that's when I was like, I really hope I don't drop the stunt. That'd be a really <laughs> bad time to mess up when yeah. everyone's watching. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I put her up just because everyone was like, we need to go, we need to go, we need to go. So I was like, all right, we'll go. And then they'll know we're at least going to try. And then I realized, well, oh, we're about 10 feet away from where we need to be. That's probably my fault. So <laughs> then I <parked> her first. <laughs> it just moved <laughs> the a
0: suspense. Of
1: it was great. But you guys aren't even talking about it, right? Like, you're just like, let's go. We got to do this. Cass, did you know when you got up that it was going to go from hand stunt to extension? Notice I used the jargon there. Did you know uh, that that was going to happen, Cass? Or do you just go up and let the rest ride?
3: Um, I had a feeling we probably have to go to extension, but I didn't know when it was going to happen. So I was just prepared for whatever.
1: So you get it. Are you hearing the crowd? Like, are you fully aware of how loud it was? Yes. (laughs) And then you do the extension, and you rise up, and it was like the most perfectly calculated thing of all time. Your hands were exactly where they needed to be at the extension. And just walk us through what it felt like to grab the ball.
3: It was was super cool. It kind of, like, didn't feel real because, you know, when I'm up there, obviously the view is different. I was like 13 feet in the air, but like looking through um, the backboard and seeing like everyone on their feet, everyone up and clapping and yelling. And I was like, wow, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but okay, <laughs> get called down and then run back to where I was supposed to be.
1: Just so you well, know, Ward and I, Ward, walk them through our reaction
0: when it happened. so, so again, we've been desperate to cheer for now about 25 minutes of basketball and and that to see initially going up to the handstand we're this is it this is 25 minutes of of gameplay frustration in real time maybe like 90 minutes waiting to pour out. So then, then, but we're all kind of, we're cheering. We're like rooting you on, but we're also nervous. Like, is this going to work? So then when the extension goes up and it's perfectly calibrated, it was like, it was like three slam dunks at once. And we just started hugging each other. We're like pulling on each other, cheering, going crazy. And, and I do feel like It wasn't just Indiana fans. One, we found out how many Indiana fans were actually there because they all started going nuts. But then the whole arena went bonkers. You guys were the only thing in the whole tournament that united every single person in the arena. Like, you got the whole arena going. It was incredible. The nation.
1: They got the nation going. (laughs) The nation going.
4: Well, I think the the announcer who called it made it. For everyone else watching on TV. I mean, it's not like game seven in the NBA finals, <laughs> yeah. Fadeway to win it all. I mean, it was
1: awesome. So, Cassidy, the camera obviously zeroes in on you. I'm sure you've seen it many times since. Uh-huh. You have a mask on, which by the way sucks that you guys have to wear masks, but whatever. Like nobody else was wearing masks. But anyway, you guys are wearing masks you can see that you are smiling the biggest smile that any human has ever smiled just from seeing this part of you. And you got, what I loved was the celebration and the cheer that you guys had after you did it. It was like, yes, we did it. When did you know how quickly, because obviously there's a lot of game left to play, but when did you know that this moment was not just, oh, something that happened during the game? This moment has now blown up everywhere it's on every social media feed all the sports channels are doing highlights of it when did you know that oh my god something just happened to our lives
3: well after we came down from the stunt i just immediately went back to our sideline where we were supposed to be and i saw the camera was following me and then you know we went back to the game game resumed. we're doing cheers and stuff and then right before the next time out um we got called over to do an interview, and I was like, Oh boy, <laughs> what did we get ourselves into?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. you just never, you know, a basketball player obviously anticipates that. If they play yeah. well, you know, they're gonna get interviewed by the radio, by TV, by media. But as cheerleaders, you guys are there for the live crowd for the most part and for the team. It can't even be a thought in your head that something may happen that gets us interviewed. We better be ready for our media training.
4: You know what? You know what's really funny is when the stadium was empty, with like seven minutes to go uh, of pregame, Andy Katz actually walked over, and he was about to do, do something over here, and it's empty, so it's quiet, right? And so um, me and my stunt partner, Mallory, were over there and said, hey, if you guys need an extra interview, just let us know. And then sure as the world, this happens. So... I mean... It
1: is just, so, so the game, you do the interview in the game, you leave the game. I assume you both check your phones pretty quickly after the game. When was the first time you each checked your phones and what did your phone look like when you checked it?
3: Um, I don't remember the time exactly, but the notifications just (laughs) kept
4: going.
3: It was, it was scary. Honestly, it was really scary.
4: We could oh, we could until sure. after the game and after we'd all you know uh, called it for the night. You know, uh, we're getting back on the bus when the first time I really looked at mine and you could just scroll and scroll and it was like, oh boy. <laughs> I,
1: I am curious in the moment that it happened because Trace Jackson Davis was there trying to figure out like, could he get up there? Did any of the players say anything to you as you came down with the ball? Yeah, I tell
3: us. Down, I came down and. The first person who I saw was Xavier Johnson. He gave me
4: a high five. Yes. Yes. Now, now,
0: in the aftermath of the game afterwards, you know, obviously the whole nation is abuzz and talking about it. At any point, did anybody from the men's basketball team thank the two of you for completely hijacking the narrative of what happened during the game itself?
4: No, I don't think they said anything about hijacking. I I got a couple of thank yous and you know, we're all in the same hotel and so we're all kind of around. Um I remember Anthony Leal and a couple of the other guys on the bench after I put it down cuz I went over to the bench cuz I'm like this is we thing to hype up the crowd like let's get it going. So I see them and they're like yeah, let's go, like things like that.
0: Well, um, and that's the thing, right? Like we we were then ready to go. We were like it felt like that moment was going to be the moment where the momentum turned now we had two bunnies that were missed in the immediate aftermath that like, even as they were going up, we were like, yes. And now we go just like the Michigan game. We, we knew we had a team that could put a run together and come back, but we needed what you guys did to make us all believe. And we did until we missed like two easy shots in a row. And then all the air came out but i really felt like you guys gave us our last best shot to win that game
4: well we we were just happy to be there and i think the biggest thing well, the funniest thing for us is like like we said it's always a running joke and so just to do something like that we all thought it was just going to be something that the arena would all be able to laugh at we thought it was funny and then so anything that we can do as cheerleaders to improve the environment of the basketball game is always what we want to try and do so doing that um, and giving our crowd and our team a boost is a great compliment. So thank you. All
1: right. Now, listen, we've all heard about NIL being a big deal for college athletes in this country. Have either of you been offered an NIL deal since this happened on Saturday night?
4: Um, I don't know if we, one, if we can confirm anything, but also just I know that we've had people reach out to us and things like that, and I know there's a lot of uh, apparel that wants to be made with, with the picture on it and things like that. So we're still in the process actually to so getting the rights to some of the pictures and things like that, so that we can move forward in some NIL stuff. Um, but we're definitely excited and willing to talk to anybody, any companies, any um, pairs or any sponsors yeah. willing yeah. to talk Patch to us.
1: Yeah, you guys should be on the cover of the Wheaties box. Like this, <laughs> this should be it. All right. Now here's, here's the other thing I want to ask. We know how insane people are on social media. We know like you both are getting followers now that you don't have any idea who these people are and where they come from. Have either of you been proposed to yet? (laughs) Or or been asked out? Because I would think that that's what happens on social media when something like this happens. Lots of like, go to the prom with me, go to the formal dance, will you marry me? Has that happened to either of you yet? Uh, Not me, no.
4: (laughs) Look at Cass, look at Cass,
1: look at Cass. Cass, how many times have you been asked out on social media since it happened?
3: Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know an exact amount, but my DMs are, like, filtered out. So, like, there's a section of DMs that just scrolling, and it's just, like, how are you doing, or, like, uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you Some, realize like, this is how stupid are? jokes are?
3: Folks and stuff like that, but, but and then like in the comment sections, there's a lot of like, "Tell me when you find her at, and like tag me too." Or like, I saw one on Twitter. Um, there was a bar stool. tweeted a video of it, and someone tweeted back and said, "Don't post my girl." <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this shows you if this isn't the greatest social experiment for the difference between men and women, Nathan yes, 100%. Gets it, right? Nathan gets it done. He's probably got a lot of congratulations. That was awesome. Thank you so much. And every guy thinks that they can like date Cassidy now. Like, that's the difference between men and women. Women smarter, more respectful. Men, total, total mouth breathing morons. Gosh. That's it. I was
3: saying that earlier to Nathan, though. I was like, I think primarily the only reason why I'm getting more buzz is because I am a woman. Oh. And this yeah. happens so.
1: Yeah. Now, I I'm, will I'm say that. sorry.
4: That's, that's okay. Um, I'm totally okay with that. Well, I...
1: look, if it was a romantic comedy, the two of you end up getting married, just so you know. Like you guys are linked forever and the finale, well, the if end on
4: air, I thought that this would be a. comedy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, listen, wait, we, wait, we, but, but while we're talking about it, you should say like, where would you like listeners of the show to follow you guys? What are your preferred social media handles here?
3: Um, my Instagram is C A S S I D Y Y C E R N Y. So Cassidy with an extra Y. C-E-R-N-Y.
4: Got it. And mine is R dot Nathan Paris. Uh, my first name is Richard
1: got it r. nathan Paris, and it's p a r i s just like the city yeah. there you go all right we ask everybody that we talk to who's been through bloomington a couple bloomington questions both of you give us your favorite pizza in bloomington mm-hmm.
3: oh da vinci 100%
1: i don't even know da vinci where's
3: that oh my gosh you have to go it's off
4: of uh, 3rd street
1: we're old so i bet you da vinci wasn't oh, there
3: when the we were there to go it's door. amazing
4: wow so all right nathan Ah, guys. I love pizza. I mean, like, yeah. I, like dominoes. <laughs> no, I do frequent Domino's, but um, some of the local favorites. I know Butch's is amazing. Ooh, um, Rockets is amazing.
0: And if, if it's really late at night, Rockets yeah. is a great way to go.
4: And then um, there's a little spot way up uh, near where the steak and shake used to be um, called Rockies. And I enjoy theirs a lot. And it's really wow. close to my heart. That's why I-, I like it. Ward, okay.
0: non pizza. You get to go to one restaurant, families in town, it's a special occasion. You want a really nice meal. Where are you having them take you to celebrate your new national superstardom?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Ward, that it's Cassidy's first date with a no name guy from social media. She decides to say yes. Where do you want? Where do you want? Joe Blow D-Bag 2017 at Twitter.com to take you to dinner?
3: Hmm. I would have to say either Ami House or Big Woods in Bloomington.
0: Wow. Big Woods?
3: Yes. I, well, yeah. I think the location is super cute. I think okay. it's un- the Indiana chain, but know it. it's in a little house and it's super cute.
1: Okay, there you go. For all of you out there trying to hit on Cassidy on social media, now you know where to take her for the first date. Uh, all right, and Nathan, where do you want that really weird woman that's hitting you up on Twitter and Instagram who's lost her mind, where do you want her to take you to dinner?
4: Well, we're going to make sure the sun still shines. So we're going to go to brunch, and it's going to be at Uptown <laughs> Cafe. Yeah. What,
0: what are nice. you getting there? What are you ordering, Nathan?
4: Biscuits and gravy with scrambled eggs on top. Nice. Mwah. Uh, Favorite favorite
1: spot in Bloomington Do you guys have like Not not a restaurant But like on campus What is your favorite thing To look at on campus? Oh man
4: Well We did a What's funny is We did a stunt session Right before our first game Of the season Right in front of Sample Gates And that's like One of my favorite pictures That I've gotten here During college Um, So Sample Gates Is obviously up there Um, I really enjoy Griffey Lake uh, it's mm. real close to campus. Um, it's quiet, and you can just hang out there. The team goes hiking there sometimes.
1: Cool, Cass. You got one?
3: Um, I'm on campus a lot. I live on campus. I'm an RA, so I'm always around campus. So I'd probably say my favorite location is the IMU because I like to do homework there, um, or
4: Mellon Camp. Oh, yeah, oh. true. Yeah, she got that. That's where we practice every day. So that's, that's probably- awesome.
0: Okay. What is, you're both smarties, What? but there's still, each of you have to have one class that is your least favorite. It could be current or anyone you've taken in your respective degrees. What's your least favorite class?
4: Um, I'm going to go with this because I'm probably the worst at it, and that would be accounting. Mm. I'm not good in county um, Sure. Had a couple struggles in those classes, but you, you uh, might want
1: to you might want to sign up again. With these <laughs> NIL deals coming in, you may have to uh, you may have some money rolling in here. Cass,
3: um, probably my first chemistry lab. It was at eight in the morning and um, stressed me out a lot. So- I didn't understand it a lot. But Ca- <laughs> it's over with.
1: Yeah, Cass. Now you said you're majoring in neuroscience, right? Yes. What is the career path for somebody in neuroscience? Are you going to be a doctor, like working on brains?
3: Um, I am currently on a pre-med track, but that's obviously subject to change. I'm only 20, so I, yeah. But um, I, if I do end up going to medical school, I would love to do something with pediatrics.
1: Wow. And Nathan, what is the, what is the career path for you once you get your graduate degree? What do you want to do?
4: Yeah, the dream job is technology consulting. Um, I'd love to work with a big four accounting firm in their consulting department and uh, help small and large companies with anything as as far as software development, uh, front-end, back-end. Overall, just anything with uh, creating business more efficient um, as a consultant is the dream. Um, I'm also getting a finance degree to um, later shift into a financial advising role uh, later on in my life, which is
0: uh, yeah. cool.
1: Ward, I we're, know we're we're just two idiots.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what this interview has shown me more than anything.
0: That like we we interview the people who are doing something with their lives, and we're we just two not morons. So we just want a, our moment with the people who have a future.
1: <laughs> yeah, but usually, like if you're
0: around smarter
1: people, it should some of it should rub off on you. I just feel dumber after this.
0: Well, that's because you and I spend more time together than we do with people like this. That's true. When we
1: come back to campus, we uh, first of all, Ward and I are going to go we're going to go on a date to da Vinci's. or Or what's the one in the cute house?: What's the one in the cute house?: Oh, uh, big woods. Big woods. All right. We'll try that. Well guys, listen, uh, your lives clearly were on a different trajectory than they are now. Uh, you, I would imagine walking through campus and just seeing people is going to be very different over the next several weeks. Uh, But you gave Indiana fans and and college basketball fans everywhere and just general entertainment people something to cheer for. It was like it's a very weird thing when one of those moments happened because you couldn't write it. And Mm -hmm. it's been wonderful to see Indiana represented by you two. Honestly, watched your GMA interview. Watch your Today Show interview. You guys are so fun and smart and bright and just the perfect representatives for Hoosiers because sure as hell we don't want Ward and I being representatives for the school. So I just want to thank you. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the rest of this year. And uh, wait, Nathan, can you cheer next year getting your graduate degree?
4: I can. I'll be back one more year. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. And Cassidy, after this moment, you're not going to declare for the NBA, are you? You're not bypassing the rest of your eligibility?
3: I mean, you know, opportunity comes i'm just kidding that's, horrible <laughs> basketball.
0: that's never gonna happen i love it I'll well, stick to- we, well we look forward to coming back to a game next year and and cheering you guys cheering on the team
4: awesome thank, thank you, you so, you so much. much thank you for your time too of course thank
1: you uh honestly just enjoy being hoosiers for the rest of this year and the rest of your college career because you guys are in a special place
4: thank, thank you. you hey thank somebody you. needs to need link to where you guys got your suits for the tournament
1: I will do that. I've got your text. I'll hook you up. All right. Just, oh, by the way, real quick, just so you know, if you want, if the size works, you could take Ward's because he's kept the tags
0: on for three years. Brand new. It's like brand new.
1: We're sitting next to each other at the game. I'm looking over. He's playing with something. I go, Ward, that's the tag. Why haven't you taken? <laughs> We've had him for
0: three years. It's oh my well, I've worn it maybe four times in those three years, just to be fair. And it's in a place where I can't see it. I'm never going like this.
1: I mean, that's what you're dealing with, guys. That's what you're dealing with here.
0: Not not a neuroscience major. <laughs> I see
3: where he's coming from, honestly. What's that? I see where he's coming from. Keep your tag on.
0: Oh. Thank you, Cassidy. Thank
1: you. All right. All right. Well, wow. Cassidy, Nathan, thank you. You gave everybody a great moment, and uh, we love that you're Hoosiers. Awesome.
4: Thank, thank, you, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. That was a guest. That was a guest.
0: What a fun episode. We're talking to Jordan Geronimo, one of our our favorite players, who we're all hoping will continue to be one of our favorite players, and then America's sweethearts, Cassidy and Nathan. Uh, this has been a really fun episode after the end of what turned out to be a really fun tournament run.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, not how we thought it was going to end both both endings were not thought what we thought were going to be. We did not think we were going to make the tournament. We did not think we would get blown up by 30. But it was like you said, the last week plus of Indiana basketball were the most fun we have had watching Indiana basketball. I'm slurring my words. I don't know what's going on. So since, that,
0: that day drinking you've got Yeah, been doing.
1: since 2016. So, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the, the sometimes, sometimes
0: why. why? From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics! Hoosier Hysterics!